Is it Joey B versus Donnie T? Oh, you really don't know anything about politics. No, I've told you, I don't know. Okay, you're never getting on real time. Chevy Chase, Robin Williams, and they treated him as a peer just based on this little 200-seat nightclub. It's about time we met. Great to see you. How you doing, my friend? Nice to see you. Feel good? Thanks. (laughs) I haven't even sat down yet. Uh, Yes, I feel... How do you feel? What are you, about a size 34 waist? <laughs> yeah, uh, 30, yeah, well, that's a little big for me. 33. 30, 30 oh, you go European size. <laughs> this is a very odd way to start to get to know a Why young, good-looking man. What are people going to think out there? They're going to think that it's some sort of a setup here. It's club uh, random, dude. You know, you know the, I randomly picked a sexuality to start the show. The gayest I ever feel in my life is when I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, <laughs> Well, <laughs> wait a minute. I resemble that remark. No, but it's not, you know, it's it's what it is. I get it. Everybody's got stories. You know, I had one opportunity out here a few years ago. I had a sitcom pilot and the head of the department over there was gay guy. And he wanted, you know, he would always flirt with me a little bit, talked about my shoulders. He wanted me to wear a little bit tighter pants. So I called my father back in New York. I said, what do I do? My, my dad said, listen, you know, you wear a little bit of tighter pants and you do what you got to do for the family. Show him a little ass. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, it's or true. Or is that a bit? No, I will not, Bill, I promise you, I won't, I, I'm one of those guys, I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. When I do bits, they're on stage. Okay. I don't like to do uh, the bits on the pod. All right. <laughs> we don't have to have a duel whole, about it. The whole thing. <laughs> Jesus Christ, where's my second? <laughs> what, what's okay, the second? I'm sorry. Yeah, Let me I, have some tequila. I, I, Should we? Yeah, don't say it like. I need some tequila to get through suffering your stupid. No, I'm not comments. suffering. Dude, I'm just you look ready. like you look like my Aunt Eileen. <laughs> my aunt? I got an Aunt Eileen. She's got the same haircut as you. Oh. But it's it's a I compliment. I guess that's more of a slam on her, really. Exactly. No, we I'm telling you, we've been saying, and my Aunt Eileen, she's watching. We've been saying, want some? No. Okay. We've been saying. Yes. No, my, no, no. We've been that. saying my Aunt Eileen looks like Bill Maher since you become, you know, well-known. Oh. Yeah, and then I got another aunt, Aunt Janet, who looks like Ron Perlman. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Rhea Perlman. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be sick if you look like Ron Perlman. I went and said to this girl, and I don't think she was this actress, and I, she was like 40, and I said, <clears throat> um, she was like bitching and moaning about like, you know, how Hollywood discard you when you're, and it's true, it's not nice. And I said, please, you, you could still play the ingenue. And she started to laugh, and I went, oh, wait, I meant to say you could still play Maya Angelou. <laughs> <laughs> and she didn't think it was very funny. Bill, can I say something right now? It's an honor, of course, to be on this pod with you, and I really do mean that, truly. Oh, thank you. It is. You know, I'm from New York, New Jersey. Anybody who makes it from the original 13, fan. I, I, colonies, you mean? Thir- original 13 colonies. To me, that's, that's a pretty broad grouping that you're that's i that's, care that and encompasses a lot of people <laughs> if you're from the original that's not 13, really a great compliment that you know when i find out a guy's from the original 13 colonies so, i i okay. like you and i support so you that would be south carolina from south carolina that's all the way up to uh new hampshire so as long as you're from South Carolina, you're a made man. Is made that what you man, I'm freedom first, okay? Every code to every phone door I have is 1776, and that's how we roll. I'm not political at all. I just love my country, as you can tell by my haircut. 
I really love this country. I do too. Yeah. We're not going to argue about that. No, not at all. I mean, I'm always bitching and moaning about how much I don't like to live in this country where uh, if you don't agree with somebody, uh, you don't want to breathe the same air. Right. You know, as someone once said to me, said to me about some being at a party with someone else who didn't have the same politics, and it's just not going to get solved that way. No. And also, and the specific thing about America, I've done many pieces about this. You know, I just ask for perspective and a little education for the people who are talking about America in such an ignorant way. It's like, I'm not blind to all of our problems. I just have the perspective of knowing what other countries are like. And you don't. I could just tell by your non-facts. You don't know what you're talking yeah. about. And I, I please... I've heard people say they want to move. I mean, I hated that in the 60s, like, love it or leave it. That was the exact opposite of how we felt on the right. liberal side. But but the liberals changed. And I would never say to somebody, love it or leave it. But if you're rooting against it, or if you have no perspective and think it's the worst place in the world, yeah, I don't think that's, that's the kind of person who's going to build a better country. Well, here's the good news for you is you're a guy, you've always been the same. You stuck to who you are and right. you just kept, no matter, the country was changing, but you stayed who you are. Because yes. I re remember, you know, 15 years ago in the neighborhoods I was from, I'm from like Ridgewood, Bushwick area, Queens, Middle Village, Glendale area. It's like, you know, cops, firemen, blue collar, part of New York. There was a time when the country was changing. People, I remember my friends were like, fuck Bill Maher, what does he got to say? <laughs> that fucking lesbian, what has he got to say? Lesbian. No, no, because the country was going the other way. But now you've just stuck <laughs> to who you are. And now those same guys are like, you doing Bill Maher? That guy's a fucking hero. So it's, you just stuck to who you are. And that's, that's the good news about you. Right. Well. You're trustworthy. Yes. Yes. Where I've gained conservative fans, it's because. I refuse to get on the crazy train all the way to Woketown. Uh, and I've made a whole thing about sure. trying to point out constantly how wokeism is different than old school liberalism and blah, blah, blah. We don't have to go through all that political jazz sure. here. But, I, well, I, but was, I was going to say. I don't think your friends are probably uh, people I wouldn't like because, and maybe they do vote for Trump. I would, I would tell them. I, you know, I don't, well, most of my friends are felons, can't even vote. Really? But the ones that get, I, one is definitely a felon. He cannot vote. Um, but the other ones, I would Boy, say. Why, you hung out with a bad crowd? No, not necessarily with a bad crowd. It's the neighborhood I was from. Again, I was from the old school, kind of old school New York neighborhoods. Yes. You know, I, it's interesting. We should pause here to tell mid-America. They probably think, you know, if they know anything about geography, you know, Queens, New Jersey, we are both satellites of New York City. Yes. We're probably equidistant from the heart of Manhattan. Yeah. And yet I think worlds apart. Yes. Because just like listening to you, that accent, yeah. I don't have that accent. That is a Queens, New York right. accent. You sound like that, and I sound yes. like a regular, normal person. Yes. A radio announcer, a this person who enunciates and speaks clearly for a living. Because New Jersey, you know, we don't talk from New York. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, we, we both live about 20 miles away from Manhattan, but I fixed your boiler. <laughs> My family and I, we fixed your boiler. <laughs> we put the floors in, in your house. That's who we are. We take care of your garbage. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Ma. You tipped me at Christmas, sir. <laughs> but I was right. saying it's an honor to meet you, and I really do mean that, but it's an, it's an as equal honor to be sitting in oh. the chair that Richard Dreyfus 
sad. And on this podcast, oh. I would assume that you have every guest come on or multiple guests. I'm telling you, Bill, I'm, I'm being honest with you. We're comedians, right? We're jaded when it comes to laughter. And even if I think yes. something's funny, even if I watch a joke by you or a joke by, you know, another comedian I respect. No, when I, I laugh, it's an honest laugh. When I laugh, it's an honest laugh because most times when I'm laughing, it's I'm laughing, but I can't get the full way there because I'm like, shit, why didn't I think of that? Or damn, he's so much, you know, we have this thing. Or something's not funny. <laughs> right. But with Richard Dreyfus, I was oh. truly like it actually broke kind of parts of my personality <laughs> and my Girlfriend, wife was screaming at me. She was like, you're going to wake up the kids. And I was on the floor like Richard Dreyfuss was on the floor. And what I thought was amazing about it is your commitment to just keep talking to him no matter how low on this seat his head was. Well, if people didn't see the episode, um, Richard <laughs> Dreyfuss, who I have the greatest respect for as an actor. I do, too. And, uh, and an activist. Wait. Is he an <laughs> before, activist? <laughs> before we stick this poker up his ass, let's give him a little flowers, okay? Yeah. First. Because, and it's true. I did a special with him in 1987, okay. a, a young comedian, and he was he was at the height of his power mm -hmm. as a uh, movie star. So his passion was politics. I mean, I got to give him credit. He's not some celebrity who didn't do a lot of reading and thinking about stuff. And he wanted to do a special on the 200th anniversary of the Constitution, right. which was passed in 1787. That's really when we became a country. Right. Um, now, no network executive is going <laughs> to hear this bitch and say, what? <laughs> what, are you going to dress up in fucking powdered wigs and reenact the signing? What could be duller than... Yeah. But he was a movie star. Right. And it was in 1987, I guess, TV... You can't even imagine, I'm sure. I can't even remember the kind of shit that was on. I mean, they just had lower standards because there yeah. was less competition. Dude, so, when you when he was here and there was a part of the podcast where he's talking about his Puerto Rican 19-year-old girlfriend and introducing her to the Queen of England, and then you say, <laughs> and how old were you? And I'm thinking he's going to say 22, 23. He goes, 37. I almost crashed my fucking car. Well, the, <laughs> what people remember about that also is that he had, uh, I think, a back issue. And <laughs> yeah, whatever, dude. It was great. May, may, <laughs> I, I want to go so, ahead and ask my doctor for the Richard Dreyfuss. And he was, you know, he was... Look, we all uh, uh, need to make ourselves uh, be in the feeling no pain mode sometimes. I <laughs> know I do. Uh, and so he just was, you know, sliding in the chair. No, but Bill, and what was genius was the time is... when where your knee is <laughs> yeah. was where his head was. was. I just want to show that to yes. people, or if you're listening, imagine yes. uh, where this Chris's is his knee is. Yes. Uh, but he wasn't out of the chair. No. That I would have put a stop to. Yes. <laughs> no. But he picked himself up. It was like a metaphor for life. He kept drooling and <laughs> melting down <laughs> into the floor, as we all do. Yes. And then would pick himself up. I see it as a triumphant piece. I said, because I, I said, I'm looking, you know, my girlfriend's Puerto Rican, and I'm wa I'm showing her, because she's yelling at me and waking the kids. I'm showing I said, Jazz, look at this. And she's watching, and she, like, doesn't get it. I said, Jazz, how funny is this? She was like, there's something wrong with him. I was like, yeah, that's the point of it. I was like, don't you see the genius? Bill is not, Bill is just talking. Bill is maintaining eye contact with him no matter how low he goes. I was like, don't you think that's great? And she was like, just go to sleep. She was a hater. Yeah, some people don't like performance art. <laughs> yeah, she didn't get it. But you know, Right, and that's fine. And, do you and, have, that, let me ask you this. I want to ask you this as a guy who's made it as, you know, I mean, you know, the, there's no really objective measure in this. You know, to me, as a fellow comic, I look up to him like, 
Bill's made it as far as you can possibly make it. He's at that top. Do you get a lot of grief or any problems from family members or friends from certain things you've said throughout your life, like ruined friendships? Or have you ever felt like I'm doing well, but I also feel like a pariah in a way to my family, like my family does not like this at all? No, of course. This, you know, I started in the clubs in 1979. It was a different comedy world. I mean, the the world of family wasn't that different because I was just fortunate. I had two parents who, um, they were sort of, they let me have that space. Like the, the period we're talking about is like when college is ending. And it's like, okay, so, you know, uh, we all knew you were going to go to college. That was sort of like de rigueur, so I did. And uh, Cornell. Yeah, and I'm school. glad I did. Okay. Um, but then, you know, it comes like your last year. And to their credit, they didn't, like, what are you going to do? It's like, he'll tell us. And I just, like, literally didn't really say anything except I'm moving in, you know, trying to get an apartment in New York. And I did get a uh, rent-free situation where you have to do some unspeakable thing for <laughs> for the price of, for the pleasure of staying in something that was about as big as this area we're sitting in. Um, but, you know, fuck. What were we talking about? Well, I was saying, like, <laughs> because there's, I was wondering, because, like, you know, now comedy, right? Like, I'm pursuing what I love in this, right? I was a physical therapist. Before I had this, you know, I had, you have to get really, a, yeah, you have to get a doctorate degree to become a physical therapist. Went to school. you're an MD, doctor of physical therapy, DPT. So I have a clinical doctorate. Gym teacher. Gym, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. I work at the Planet Fitness up the street. <laughs> so, but you is know, is that a I, real place? Yes. What is it? Planet, Planet Fitness. Yeah, they give pizza to everyone walking in and out of the gym on no. Fridays. I swear to God, because the people look like planets. So, so, so I, I, you know, went through school, did all this, made my mother proud, right? Right. And then I pursue comedy, right? Right. And in the beginning, I'm doing comedy. You know, I get on all these things, Letterman and all that stuff. And now I'm at the place where comedy's really going, you know, well for, for me. Fantastically well. But my. I feel like my family, with the exception of my father, oh. I feel like my family almost presents me like I'm like a porn star, like because I curse a little bit. Really? Yeah, so I was wondering if that was like a similar thing amongst all comics or does my no. family just fucked? Your family's a bunch of dicks. <laughs> well, of course that's <laughs> Told not you, Mom. A, My parents gave me that space to like f come to them. So I was well out of college and had moved into that horrible apartment, not apartment, like cubbyhole in someone else in a rich person's apartment. And, um, like, it was only, I think, maybe at Christmas. Mm -hmm. So I'm out of college, and I graduated early, so I'm out of college almost a whole year. And they just really, because I didn't ask for money, and I just kind of, like, you know, dribbled it out one night, like, yeah, I'm working at the comedy clubs, you know, just like right. And they were kind enough, you know, to, they must have been, like, suspecting that, or, I, I don't know, I, maybe not, but, you know, they just let me have the humiliation that is yes. that first year or two of comedy is nothing but humiliation of every sort. Like, you can't even get on stage, when sure. you do, you suck, you know, um, people think you're just, it's almost embarrassing that you're trying, yeah. you know? Well, I, I think, too, you know, when you were coming up, 
you only had like the medium was stand up. There wasn't, you weren't filming everything you were doing and talking for hours. Right. So now, so a lot of times I'll say something going into a bit or have a half-baked idea on a podcast and I'll tell a story, you know, with changing names that like a family member was involved in that I think is funny. And then they, I, they get upset. But then on the same token, they like want tickets to the shows. So I'm like, sometimes I'm conflicted. Like I was getting screamed at on oh. Thanksgiving by oh. my family, screamed at for my, how, how awful my comedy is. The, the assholes out there who have nothing better to do, the, the perfect people who never do anything wrong, um, they live to see things that they can make into something. But you're a good man, Bill. <laughs> you are really a good man. Oh, well, thank you. I you do have founding that. father energy, too. Anyone ever tell you that? Founding father. You do. You feel like, like I feel like if we were going to have founding fathers today, you'd be in the running for one of them. You'd be, you'd, you'd, I would, I would vote you for one of them. You mean like to run the country, to like yeah, found like the one country? You, you would just be like somebody. Like start a new country, a the country, country. Would vote in, the country would vote in, you'd be like a, like a John Adams type. George Washington would be, you know, like Leah Thomas from the Penn Swimmer. Um, you would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the, a, the one George, I'm thinking. Yeah, oh, George yeah. Santos would be Alexander Hamilton. Um well, you know, you'd have, but I just feel I'm saying you're smart and what you're a guy, you're, here's a compliment you, to Don Rickles. No, here's a guy. No, Bill, here's a comment. Here's a comment from my guy. One of my friends, we call him the worm. He's a real conspiracy theorist. He told me this. I swear to God. He told me this standing in your producer, Chuck's from middle village. We were standing not far from Elliott Avenue, which is a, a big stream middle village. And he, I told him I was doing your show and he said, you know why I like Bill? And he's being dead serious because of the, all the Hollywood stuff. Cause you know, why I like Bill. He looks like a guy that probably I would say almost a hundred percent never fucked a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. There you go. So you're nine, they're 99% sure you never did. And that means you're a good guy. That's Cause amazing. they think everyone in Hollywood's having sex with kids in these neighborhoods in New York. I, I, yeah. That's one I'll never understand. Why you'd even want to have sex with a kid. I don't want I have kids. I don't want to have sex with any of their friends. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, that's the thing. It's like you can't, you can, uh, and this is a credit to the human race in this regard, you can put checks on yourself for barbaric behavior, mm -hmm. uh, which we're not on from the beginning of mankind's long crawl to civilization. Right. I mean, for most of our... Uh, time, you know, um, animals basically uh, have sex by rape. They don't fucking go out to dinner first. They, you know. Dude, you go to the Sahara Desert, it's rape all day. <laughs> all the animals are raping each other. There's the, no consent. The, exactly. 100%. And humans were those animals. Exactly. Until very recently. So it's to our credit that we went, no, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Let's find a different way. We share an appetizer, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say it like that. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you say it like that. That's the Queen's version. Yes, yes. We should do a a show about the suburbs of New York. We should because, boy, you never you ever come great, back. It's a uh, course. Northeast. You know, I had a very sentimental journey. Uh, funny you should ask. About a year ago, about November, so a little over a year ago. The house I grew up in, mm -hmm. I visited that, hadn't been to that. Right. Owned by Indian people now. <laughs> no. No? In New Jersey? No, a lovely couple. Um, not Indian. Not Indian. Really? No. A lot of Indians in New Jersey love Indian people. What? They call, I love Indian women. Chubby Indian women, that's my vice. 
Really? Love my my girlfriend gets very upset when I talk about it. But yeah, they, my friends used to call me Chrissy Calcutta because of how much Indian woman porn. So you I have watch. a girlfriend and kids, but not but you're not married. We're not married, but I think I should probably do it. It's well, serious you, enough now. When you put it that way, <laughs> who could resist? <laughs> you know, I, I'd like to see you on one knee. Saying, yeah. Honey, <laughs> I just think uh, whatever you I'm say. not going to get down on one. I'm going to get down like Richard Dreyfus to propose. <laughs> <laughs> just the head. Just the head. <laughs> <laughs> would she find that funny? No. She probably would. I think she's just put up with me. I think she's just stuck with me now at this point. But I'm sorry, you were talking about your no, New no, Jersey I'm, house. It's not I'm owned by anyone. Prying into your personal life. You could pry all day. I don't mind. I'm an open and, book. And, you, and you've had two kids. Well, that's a cementing, bonding sort of thing between two humans, yes. I hear. I would say it's relatively serious. Isn't at this it? Point. Right. I mean, <laughs> that, uh, like, <laughs> that's why I never like <laughs> took it past yes. dating. Yes. Um, I mean, I had serious girlfriends. Right. You know, but that's still dating. Yeah. You know, because in, in a woman's mind, you're either dating or you're... Right. If you're not married, you're what I call on the path. Yes. You know, which is like, oh, they have steps of, you know, yeah. living together, pre-engagement, engagement. Yeah. There's a whole thing. And I always pictured it like a canoe yes. going down the river. Yes. And wanted to always get off before it gets to the falls. Yes. Well, dude, I would tell you... But that's me. Other people love it. Other people love going over. I would say to you, there's a great, great joke by comedian Ted Alexander. He had a joke paraphrasing. He was like, you know, I'm 45 years old. I have no wife, no kids. I made it. You made it, sir. You've made it. Oh, thanks. You're, no wife, no kids. You have made it, sir. <laughs> yeah. You're successful. You know, and this is why you have my vote as founding father. Thank you so much no, for sir, saying that, It's Chris, a beautiful... Because, you know, I think that all the time. It's but a beautiful I, honor. I can't really say it out loud. But I, honestly, You've made when it. I hear every single person I know bitch about either their marriage or their divorce or whatever, I just think... Yeah, I made a lot of mistakes, really a lot of stupid things I did in this life. I mean, I am not a quick learner, yes. but I do get it when I get it, but I, I'll admit that. But that one? Yes. Oh, which one we were talking about? No, I'm saying you, like, even, like, look at how beautiful your life is. Oh, that one of, of yeah. not marrying or having kids, the fact that I was able to do that, Yes, because I would be miserable. Look at your life, how beautiful you have. You have this, you have this beautiful property you live on. If you were, had married a kid, I mean, you'd be you'd be living on top of a fucking Sabaros right now. <laughs> <laughs> she would have taken everything. Let's face it, after a night of drinking, the body just doesn't bounce back the way it used to. Now, unless you are made of some sort of alcohol-resistant steel, you have a choice to make. Either have a great night or a great next day. That is until I tell you about Z-Biotics. If you're committed to a healthy routine this year, you need Z-Biotics. Z-Biotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. You know, if there's anybody who ties one on, it's PhD scientists. These wild men told me that when you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. And Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol, drink responsibly, and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. 
Have a Z-Biotics before drinking. It makes such a difference the next day. Go to zbiotics.com slash random to get 15% off your first order when you use random at checkout. You can also sign up for a subscription using my code so you can stay, stay, so you can stay prepared no matter the time or occasion. Zbiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash random and use the code random at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode. Club Random is brought to you by the audio marketing gurus at Radioactive Media. It's finally 2024, so the big question is, what are you going to do to make your business boom this year? Give your business the winning edge by embracing new mediums to drive up sales and acquire customers by partnering with shows like mine. You can enjoy lower CPMs, elevating your brand in a space away from your competition. Generate up to nine times more leads by combining the power of audio and video channels with text messaging and generate an ROI as high as five, six, or seven to one. The best way to achieve these goals is through the team at Radioactive Media. Club Random has been partnering with Radioactive Media since the beginning, and they can create a customizable campaign for your company's needs. Use your intelligence and start planning early for 2024. Radioactive Media has an exclusive deal to promote your product or service on Club Random with me and save up to 50%. To find out all the details and receive a few Club Random goodies thrown in, go to radioactivemedia.com or text the word RANDOM to 511-511. Whether you have a nationwide business-to-business product or service or an incredible consumer product, these guys will take you to higher highs in 2024. Discover how audio marketing can surpass your current strategies with new and innovative ways that sound better. Go to radioactivemedia.com or text RANDOM to 511-511. Text RANDOM to 511-511 today to save up to 50% in 2024. Terms, conditions, message, and data rates may apply. You ever live in Manhattan? Yes, Lower East Side. Okay. So I moved to New York, you know, grew up in Bergen County, New Jersey. Sure. I'm sure you're familiar. Of course. Rivervale was my little town. It was just leave it to Beaverville. Of course. Well, it was ridiculous. 100%. And I was mid-century, you know, yes. this is 60s, 70s, very innocent. No racism because there's only one race in town. Of course. No drugs, you know, just leave it to Beaver. My father worked in New York in radio every day, commuted there, right? So then I go off to college, and I always want, I knew I was going to be a comedian when I was 10. Wow. So I was always thinking about this. So I'm in college, and I'm like, all the time I'm in college, I'm like, what am I doing here? This is theoretical. I'm not trying to get a job with this. I should be doing what I do. And I once even went up at the poetry reading and tried to do some material just because I was, you know, chomping into bit yeah, to get my so I lived in New York that moved in with the <laughs> the rent-free <laughs> hovel. <laughs> and then I had another hovel on Eighth Avenue. Oh shit. That was my main apartment. Yeah. I had one apartment in um the edge of Spanish Harlem, 99th Street. Right. Between a, a five-floor walk-up, um, no shower. Oof. You know, okay, then I had my... Where did you shower? There was a tub in the kitchen. That you put <laughs> one of those... <laughs> oh, shit. I love that. I, I love that I lived through that, though. It's beautiful. It really is. Yeah. It's so good to have had that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It really helps you enjoy when things are easy or... Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and you work through all that. There was, you know, it was yeah. like the pain and the gain kind of thing. Yeah. So then I had my main apartment was uh, 8th Avenue between 55th and 56th. Oh, nice. So not a terrible neighborhood. Yeah. It's a little north of Hell's Kitchen. Right. But three blocks from the park. Right. It was a nondescript kind of... You know, once in a while, there was a bum right. <laughs> passed out in the foyer. It's New York. You know, sometimes with a needle in their leg. You know, <laughs> yes. you, you just... It happens. You know. You're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know. What, can you, what are you going to do? You're in New York. <laughs> what are you going to do about that? You, what, you I, know, I mean, I guess some, I, I don't, I yeah. have, you know. I would call. I would call the super. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's, yes. And of course, yes. He filled me with confidence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he would get on it right away. Yeah, he'd come out in a wife beater, which Chunklet does on, and just <laughs> yeah. fucking kick him into the street. That's what you do. Do you remember Freddie Prince? Who that was? Sure. Well, I know Freddie Prince Jr. You know, but his father. His father, I just know from the TV okay. shows and stuff. So, oh, so you do know. Vaguely, I, I know I, more Freddie Prince Jr. from She's All That. And That's I was, who I, I jerk was off in to. my like prime. I want to be a comedian adolescence when Freddie Prince was wow broke, and he was like, it was very different to have like uh, you know a, first of all Puerto Rican sure you know that was like they were all the liberals were all clapping themselves on the back thing. yeah. We've got a, a funny young man, and the fact that he's from Puerto Rico doesn't make me like him any less. Right. You know, just very, uh, like, whoa, we got... Fra-. And, of course, that was tragic. He killed himself. Right. Um, I think it was a mistake. I think he was so zonked out. He was depressed and zonked out, and just, right. you know, you can be so fucked up, you don't really know what you're doing, or you... Right. And uh, he could have had a... But when I was starting out, he was that was a sensation that he went on The Tonight Show, mm-hmm. so different, and his big uh, catchphrase was, <laughs> the, to the point here, the super. <laughs> and the super was always saying, it's not my job. <laughs> that was his catchphrase. Yeah, it would come back in his act. You know, yeah. it, it would, it would yeah. you know, what do you call it? Call back. Callbacks, yeah. yeah. It was, that was his, it's not my job. It's not my job. Now, what, let's talk about, because we've been trying to get there for 20 minutes, what oh. the hell with this couple with the house in New Jersey? You went back, you said it was mm. a sentimental story. It was. Well, I mean, that's the house I grew up in. Right. Okay, so. And by the way, what would you do if you found out Freddie Prince Jr. killed himself after you read your <laughs> 10-year-old poem? <laughs> okay, so I, go, I go back to, so my, my uh, one of my, I have <clears throat> two friends from young childhood. One was my neighbor, and his parents still live there. As, right. they, as they did when I lived there. They're, is your friend still with us, or is he no yes, longer with he's us? With, I mean, they're still with us. They're in their 90s. Wow, they're still with us. Yes, and they're I mean, in They their... must be boosted. <clears throat> what, <laughs> what do you mean? Vaccine. What? Oh, the vaccine. The double uh, booster. Yeah, let's not get to that. No, no, no. I don't care about the vaccine at all. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess I don't, don't want to like argue. I don't that. care. Okay. The doctor told me I've had chlamydia enough. Right. <laughs> I'm good. So... Uh, but yeah, so his yeah, he's he's a little younger than me, but basically my age. We grew up together. Mm-hmm. Um, what is he doing now? He's a drummer. He oh, it's good. Drums and Broadway shows. Yeah, Beautiful. He's a very creative guy. Both two creatives but, and there's two creative neighbors. What are the chances? Yeah, yeah, and they were my family and their family were very close. Right. It was great when they moved in. 
Uh, before that, there was a cop who beat his <laughs> wife. My mother had to What help. are you going to do, not beat your wife? My mother had to help her move. I remember yeah. that. It's horrible, but that's what the cops do. That's what you want to be the cops. <laughs> it's horrific. I'm not, I'm not promoting, but it's like, you know, you guys, you know, if a guy's hitting his girlfriend in high school, this is who we get for the cops. That's who we get. That's not who we want. It's not who we want, but it's like, you know what I mean? What, what do you want? You want fucking anarchy like you have now? Get the cops out there, start throwing some shit around a little bit. I feel like I'm in the role of the ventriloquist who has to die. Ladies and gentlemen, don't, don't mind my, yeah. my dummy stupido and the stupid things he My says. goal for this podcast is to have Chuck cut more shit from my episode than the Richard oh, Dreyfus no, no, one. no, no, We ain't cutting shit. No, don't cut it out. I'm no, fucking, I don't care at all. No, no. That's the great thing about a podcast. Look, I mean, none of us can or should say anything, but I feel like- It's all joking. There is a difference in the medium. Real time is just a different animal. Sure. It's the one I love the most. Sure. It's my real baby. But there is a difference in in what you can sort of like just brain fart away. That, that's not a brain fart kind of show. Sure. Whereas this is. is it? I mean, I think we know. Well, it's wall to wall. Yeah. That's why, like, you know, I know you've had him on the show and I'm good friends with Jimmy Kimmel, you know? And, and, yes. and when I talk to him and hang out with him, we're fucking dying laughing, talking about funny shit. But then on the TV show, you know, you have to stay a bit in a box. I get it. It's a produced thing. But, but that's why with you, it's so awesome to just cut it loose because this is like what real comedy is. Yeah, and also I wanted to do this because most people are not political. Yeah. Like, this is great talking to you. I'm in a blast. I, yeah, I couldn't probably, care what your political but views right, were. Right, but you wouldn't yeah. be right for real time. Right. You know what I mean? Because I don't know, have a background in politics. Well, I mean, we could talk at the, you know, yeah, I mean, you don't really have an issue uh, you know, like that would be the top of the show what interview. Is that? I'm not right for real time. What the fuck is that about? Well, <laughs> you know what I, I mean? Can't get because, real time you, now? You, because you said you're not political. <laughs> yeah, but so what? I'll come on the show throwing around a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could work too. It could work. Why not? Do a little bit. I mean, a... that, that's what my old show was. Did you ever see that show, Politically Incorrect? Of course, too... dude. We, okay. everybody, know, everybody watched your shit. Okay, so that was where you you mixed the experts in with the. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with the... <laughs> Why not bring that back? Have a night where you come bring in a fucking Why? idiot, and that's me. <laughs> Well, have me, me start talking to fucking some one of these <laughs> one of these presidential <laughs> candidates and about the real issues. When Bill Burr was on, the oh, show. he's the best. When he was on the show, yeah. he, at one point he goes, "I feel like I'm in high school and I didn't study for the test." <laughs> yeah, it was, and I don't try to do that. Yeah. But it, that's it's just a show. It's a different show for a, for a yeah. specific audience that you know that's their uh, interest. I'll get on real time one day. One day we'll Look, do it. We'll develop a relationship and then we'll see what happens. You know, that is such a mature attitude. I'm not sure I would have had that attitude at your age. We'll do That's it. That's the exact right attitude, right? Which is like, let things evolve organically. They will. And you're, let it just and you're totally right about that. That's it. Control yeah. the, uh, all I can do, Bill, right. you ready for this? Control the output, yes. not the outcome. I'm all about my effort. What the results? I don't know. I'll just try to give you the best I can and we'll see what happens. Well, it's going great for you. I mean, easy for you to say that. You're like selling out Radio City and shit. That's like well, yeah, not a big thing. Well, you know hey, what? whatever happens, <laughs> yeah. whether I sell 20000 or 22000 yeah. well, I'll just accept it. The good thing about I mean, where you're, I'm at. You're very fortunate that you were you. born, you know, I mean, you worked, yes, yes. But same as me, like there is a part of comedy you just have to be born with. Yeah. 
you can't just want to be a comedian. There are people who do, and then shysters will open schools Always. of comedy, yeah. and you cannot teach the bottom line of it. Right. You just can't. You're well, it's and it's good, too, because comedy keeps you humble, and there's a humility. I think, like, a, a lot about life, you know, I want my daughters to know, like, you know, you got to keep your humility and a likability about your life just does that sometimes. Like, the same week, you know, September 22nd and September 23rd of last year, I did Radio City one night and theater at MSG the next night. So that's... 10, 11,000 tickets I sold, right? Huge. So, so it's great. Then the very next weekend, the very next weekend, I do a show in Vegas. I sold 400 seats out of 2,000. So right away, it's just a nice fuck you where it's like, hey, level, sure. don't think who you are. And, right. and it's always like keeping me grounded, you yeah. know? Right. No, that's exactly what it is. And you're But how do you you're, stay grounded? Uh, your, your agent should have known that. Yes, he does. He did. That's <laughs> okay. But how do you... How do you Honestly, this is an honest question because, you know, it's like, you know, not giving away info, but it's like you're obviously doing very well. You've, you've worked hard for it. You, you've created the success. How do – it's – I can stay grounded because there are – yes, I'm doing well in some instances, but I'm not a household name as you've become. How do you stay grounded, which is the most important part of comedy is being relatable to the common man? How do you do that at such a high level? I mean – It's an honest question from my seat. Really? From the dry fish chair. I mean <laughs> – because <laughs> um, you're humble and you don't and, and yeah, you don't I mean, know you're, you're, you're exalting you're you're making a issue out of something that's actually a non-issue I I, I I i believe you're sincere but like you're making me too exalted to have this be a problem there are li- there are show business lives that are so exalted mm-hmm. um mostly musicians Right. You know, people just go fucking ape bananas for musicians and music. It reaches you on a primal level. Mm -hmm. And nobody else can really compete. I mean, yes, a handsome movie star, a beautiful movie star. But not even that, quite as much as music. I mean, they go apeshit for rock stars and and stuff. Like, on that level, this question is relevant. But, you know... I was in Whole Foods the other day. It was not a problem. No, <laughs> but, but no, I understand. But I guess like my point is like writing stand-up material specifically, you know, Elton John or Steven Tyler can write a song about living the life and people love it, Bruce Springsteen. But you can't write a bit about, you know, kind of how successful you've been. You have to be relatable to the common man, which you've done a great job of being relatable to the common man despite having immense success, which some other comics, some of your contemporaries, when yeah. I watch their latest specials, I'm saying, I like your old stuff better because now you're coming out to pyrotechnics and you're talking about your helicopter and the guy who just spent you know, $150 to come see you with his wife is like, I don't relate to this guy. But yet you stayed relatable. So that there's, you've had to... Be yeah, cognizant of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, there are different l- levels. People have different um, ways of marking success. I mean, yes, influence can be success mm-hmm. and money can be success right. and numbers can be success. Mm-hmm. You have huge p- p- PA numbers. Right. In certain I, markets. I don't play those arenas. But in certain markets. Okay, right. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm saying. The original all, 13, all, that's where I sell. <laughs> <laughs> We're back to that. The, what are you? Are you I'm Colonial Chrissy. I, I was just going to say, are you uh, advocating for some sort of retrenchment? Where I come we, out to the national anthem holding a bayonet. We return to uh, to the good old days of 1787. I mean, yeah. No, but uh, but I, I, you know, I don't. Uh, it was just an. It was just a a uh, a kind of a. Uh, 
question, inquisitive yeah, question I, on my part, because it's just, you know, as someone, you know, a, a peer of yours, but also looking up to you, I'm like, how do you do that? If I ever got to your level, I wonder, you know, how I would react to certain things. Well, you'll get, you're already past me on one level. Um, how? Uh, how many did you sell it? To? But that's one market in New York City. Okay, but, uh, okay, but I'm just saying it takes many forms. So, uh, I don't know. And there's so many things that go into what some people think they're, they're just a giant success mm-hmm. if, you know, they are doing something that they love. Right. Other people think success is just always working. You know, there's lots of show people like that. They, they, they will, you know, game shows. Sure. <laughs> just whatever. Like yeah. They will. Not that game shows are bad or something no. to, uh, yeah. you know, to look. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. that at all. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, it's just, or even reality shows. Sure. It's just like that to them is success is I work in this business. Right. Right. Okay. You know, I, and I then you some mean. people it's just at. like. Their success is my peers respect right. me. Right. When the players vote, I'm on the all-star team. You know, that's a type of success. Yes. There's many, and then sometimes just like <laughs> I'm living baller lifestyle. You know, I got a jet, and I got bling, and I got houses and tigers. <laughs> well, I could tell you Tanks that of- I don't want to be presumptuous here, but I do feel like I feel like I'm, uh, I really like you, and I feel like we'll hang again. I'd like to hang with I, you. I uh, can almost guarantee it. Yeah, I feel like... You're, you're the one who I bet you it would be hard to get together with because you have a wife and kids. Uh, <coughs> I mean, we're all busy in our careers. Sure. Um, no, but, but I would come. I would just come. I would come hang with you, if I, but I would have to bring 25... Can I ask you a 25... very personal question? You said no limits, right? No limits, dude. You ask all me right. whatever you want. So honestly, truth or, truth or dare, honestly, if you want to do something, just say anything. But let's say this: like, um, go, I'm go hang out with <laughs> Bill Barr on a fucking bender for two days. Yes, in L.A., you have to run everything by your wife, or can you just like say, I'm doing it, and that's I'm. <laughs> it's not up for. I absolutely have zero free will, and. <laughs> She 100% rules my life. And Bill, make no mistake, if we become friends after this, you will get a text from my wife saying, hey, Bill, this is Jasmine. Can't wait to hang out with you. Oh. I can't. If I ever came here. (laughs) You're going to give her my number? Dude, if I ever came in here, you would think I was coming with a caravan of Puerto Rican people. I would come in here rolling 40 Puerto Ricans deep. And your liberal ass would have to say, open the door, let them in. (laughs) (laughs) Because she has many relatives. Bill, let me tell you something. I'm going to get home in about two, three days from now. I'm going to walk into my house. There will be three Puerto Rican people I don't know in the house that are family members. It's a beautiful part of the Puerto Rican culture, which I love very much. But it is honest. There are always multiple family members coming to my house. Really? I have a big house. They come and they hang. I have no problem. What town with is your house? You're in Queens. We were in Queen. We were, we were in Staten Island, but then we moved to Queens. But now I'm thinking about moving back to Staten Island. You lost a bet. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know I fucked no. up, dude. No, you know I fucked it. You know self sabotage is a real thing. I don't know if you're a self sabotager. Oh, I am not, but I've seen it. I saw it in comics. I started with. Um, I guess I could say this about him now because I dearly love him, and he just died, Richard Belzer. Oh, uh, and one of the and best hosts of all time. 
at the, I heard he was the comedy, uh, people talk in New York about he was the host of Catch a Rising Star, and the best mean, guy. We called an MC. MC, MC, sorry, yeah, MC, yes. yeah. Uh, well, it's funny. I started just when he was like sort of peaking at Catch a Rising Star. He was like the big star waiting to break out to a new. Right. So he kind of took me under his wing like I was. So like when he was had MC duties, which he was doing just because they paid you $50 to do it. Sure. He was over it and he didn't want to do it. So right. he didn't want to show up at nine o'clock to start the show. So I covered for him and he wow. took the money. As the MC. Yes, a, because wow. it was his night. Right. And he'd show up in the middle of the night and do an hour or two, and then I would, you know, he'd also leave and I'd do the end. So the place was run loosely like that. Right. So it was good for both of us. Right. But I loved him dearly. Yeah. And, uh, oh, well, oh, self-sabotage. Yes. There were some times, I mean, he was sort of like touted to be, you know, he was going to be like the next biggest, like Richard Pryor level. They wow. compared him to Pryor. And he hung around with people like Pryor. They, so cool. They, Chevy Chase, Robin Williams, um, Christopher Reeve, there was a little gang there in New York, and they treated him as a peer right. just based on this little 200-seat nightclub where it was the hip club, Catch a Rising Star, uh, owned by the mob. Sure. Was the rumor. Right. Was the rumor. Rick Newman, the owner, uh, Where was that geographically? Was that also 70, First Avenue between 77th and 78th. Wow. Um, it's now a city MD. Oh, it's um, I don't want to even think. It's a Dwayne Reed. Yeah, yeah. it's something horrible. Yeah. It was great. and But Richard Belzer did, <clears throat> I think, he could have had, a, a, I mean, he became famous from this, the detective shows sure. much more than what he really was a genius at and i'm telling you in that club he was a kind of genius because he was everything he was kind of don rickles he had that he would talk to the audience mm -hmm. and was like just hysterical and mean but like never seemed right. to like right. you know get beat up over it and go through women's purses in the yes. front row and he had bits the thing was he never once wrote one word down mm -hmm. so you know, he couldn't do like two shows because he wouldn't remember what he did from the first show. Right. So he had these bits that were recurring. One of my favorite was like, he would just like, he'd be talking about one thing and riffing and he'd be like, and he had a band behind him. The, the house band always played for Belzer and nobody else. That's okay. why he, we knew he was the king. Mm -hmm. So the stage was this big and somehow they fit a piano and a bass and a drummer up there. Right. So, uh, he would be like, one of his bits was, why do all singers give you this move? Everything will be okay as soon as I get my neck fixed. <laughs> That's such a silly bit. It was so great. But and he would self-sabotage, you're saying? Yes. He would just, uh, like, not, sh he had a couple of big ones I think he didn't show up for, that kind of thing, like, like a big level. There was some gig, like... Maybe it was the Schaefer Music Festival or something. It was a, it was a big gig. And he didn't but show he, up. He was not. Yes, I think he probably. I don't know. I mean, that was a long time ago, and I hope. I'm Fear not, of success, maybe. I felt like that was something. I mean, he was a complicated guy. Right. And uh, but, a, most but, but, a, are. but a beautiful guy. I mean, he was so warm. Right. And brotherly to me. You know, I was 24, 23, 20, yeah, 23 when I got there. <clears throat> He was 35. To me, that was like James Bond. Of course. And he was 
cool. They all, he wore black, and Rick Newman, the owner, wore black, yeah. and Mark Krantz, the, he was another hip, cool guy who wore black. He ran the club, and, and they'd all like go out like a little pack, and you know, I'd be, you know, can I come? No, fucking dweeb from the <laughs> suburbs yeah. of New Jersey. Go back to New Jersey. Yeah, your first year in comedy. Where do you get on the stage once? Yes. So I, I was not even in that world, but slowly, you know, I wormed my way into, the, yes. into their hearts. We are all comics, and you yes. know, you can try to be charming in your way. So Belzer was just, I mean, he was something else, you know. He was yeah. he was just, and just would blow you away sometimes with the talent on stage in that setting. But it was just not the kind of thing like moving a baby bird that falls out of the sky that you right. can transplant. Right. Like, you know, because for somebody, again, like me, comedy fan and all that, like, you know, you stretch all the way back to like the Johnny Carson days. So like you now sitting here, you know, a bit older, more established, do you look back at the those Johnny Carson times being like, I cannot believe like, like I did Johnny Carson type, because I did David Letterman. And for me, even though I loved and I was so appreciative of doing it, for me, it's like, oh, okay, I just did David Letterman. Like I care and I'm appreciative, but I'm like, Whatever. Sometimes people be no. like, oh, you did Letterman? But is Carson different? Is it like, was Carson I mean, a different it was, thing? It was, it was a, you know, Carson was the biggest king late night ever had as far as like the era. There was like three channels. So, you know, he would draw, there was, well, I think his top year, he routinely, this is like nightly drew 17 million people. Jesus. Yes, because there was nothing else to do. There was no video games. There was no mm -hmm. fucking phones. There wasn't TikTok and a million right. distractions. There weren't 800 networks. Right. There was Johnny or whoever was the sacrificial lamb against them on the other network. And right. Channel 7 had news or some shit. So you it. felt it the night you did it. The next night you felt your career. No. Change. It was no. just another. It was no. nothing changed. It, not, something changed psychologically. But it wasn't like... Uh, yeah, the next day I'm riding the subway and everybody's like, hey. You're the Carson <laughs> yeah, yeah. guy. There was an era where that happened, but you had to do it like David Brenner was kind of the last guy to become a right. big comedic star just from The Tonight Show. He never had a sitcom, you know. Right. Um, yeah, because what's fascinating to me is, like you mentioned earlier on in the show, and this is just the same with history as it goes. I love history. It's like, you know, you had said, like, you know, in the 70s, people were like, ooh, a, a Freddie Prinze, a Puerto Rican, like trying to kind of shoehorn diversity in no matter what and be like, look at us, we're heroes because we're, you know, promoting diversity. And I would think, oh, that just started when I started comedy, but that's been around for 40 years. Just as, you know, 2,000 years ago, they were having similar problems to we're having today, but it's just they're wearing different uniforms and have different haircuts and different countries are in power. It's all the same. Some, I mean, 2,000 years ago, some of it is the same. A lot of it is not. Well, if you listen to, like, Marcus Aurelius and you read some of that stoicism stuff, I mean, they're talking about the same bullshit back then as, they, as we are today. Well, yes, I, most of all those ideas, that's true, like basic philosophical ideas were probably all thought of, mm -hmm. like, before the time of Christ. And then... Um, Later on, people added on little things or they argued about them. I mean, a lot of it is people in later centuries arguing about what they wrote. Right. And, you know, what, what did Plato mean? And, and some of it is just plain outdated. Right. You know, some of it is, I mean, even Plato and Aristotle and uh, <clears throat> Socrates, they, you know, they just, uh, people didn't have the 
certainly didn't have the uh, idea that women were equal. No, for a very long yeah, time. They still don't in in Middle Village, where Chuck is from. <laughs> they still don't in a lot of pla- places around the world. Yes, but in America, you know, that's that's my right. one of my issues with wokeness is like, uh, you're not better than me just because you always think things are worse. Right. You actually don't have a good perspective on where on the scale. Right. Are things perfect? No, and they never will be. No. But really compared to the rest of the world and compared to what we were 10 20 30 40 50 years ago it's like night and day i lived through it i li- if anybody from 100 <clears throat> years ago no matter what race or religion you were came alive today they would be in tears about how great the world has become and how much yes. different things are and how much right. better things are right so but so so sometimes i'm like you know when i hear people complaining and yelling about our country i'm like we like you know, I heard a guy, I was at a comedy club and, you know, I was doing a bit about diversity or whatever. And the guy was like, America is the least diverse place in the world. I said, where are you from? He said, Sweden. I said, Sweden, it's all fucking white people. You have zero diversity in that country. What are you talking about? Actually, that's, that bit is outdated. I hate to tell you. Why? Because Sweden allowed um, a substantial number of Syrians. Oh, that's right. And Afghanistan folks right. from those two uh, right. Wars and um, it's not so gone. now it's ninety nine point eight percent white. Yes. Yeah, and it's not gone all that smoothly. Yes, not great. As, as far as like, like this is amazing. <clears throat> the Syrian ice bill. Um, is it free? It's free. Ice. You're not drinking any tequila. I'm the only one drinking tequila. Yeah, I don't even know how to uh, light this. Thing. I'm not good with lighters. Can you light it for me? Yeah, thank you. Ben. I, I got weird thumbs. Look at that. The thumbs. I don't know how to fucking light shit. What is um, that? Is that the Ridge Wallet? What is that? That is uh, a that's cigarette that's case. What? I feel like it's so sophisticated, and yet it costs eight bucks on Amazon. That's it. Amazon's I, the key. Let me tell I'd you. I'd like to fucking suck off Jeff Bezos. Who uh, <laughs> <laughs> cool wouldn't, right? You ever meet him? This is Jeffy this, B. This, yeah. Oh yeah. He's probably a fan of you. I bet you Bezos is a fan of you. He uh, <clears throat> texts me from time to time when Jeffy he, B. He's a good man. I, I mean, <clears throat> I've seen him only... For the right price, I'll fucking promote Alibaba all day, though. Um, um, he, uh... Am I sucking on this side? Yeah. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> you do know the basics of... Uh, you light one side and suck one side. That, that hasn't changed. Um, I was a basketball player, so I, I would get drug tested. I don't want to <clears> let my father down. My father... My father was a guy... My father's a good man. He used, to, he used to come from Staten Island, ready for this, take a ferry, two buses to come see me where I live with my mother in Ridgewood, and then he didn't have a job, and I would, he wanted me to make the NBA, even though I was a scrawny white kid with psoriasis. He would he want me to make the NBA. <laughs> we would shoot 1,000 jump shots a day, 1,000 jump shots a day, and my father with his two bum knees would go get the rebounds at Farmer's Oval Park in Ridgewood, and he had a broom that he would hold up to mimic like seven foot, you know, NBA size guys. So my father, you know, I would, I would, I, I would, he was very kind of, um, want you to play basketball. He wanted to play for the New York Yankees. Didn't make it, of course. And, and he wanted me to play ball. So I, I would never what, did drug. What's the highest you ever got in? The, I was uh, a division three. So the, you know, the, the, the third division, but I was an all American. So one of the top 10 in college, in college, so I played, like, 
I was I in my neighborhood. I was the kid that played ball. Right. So much to the point where my friends from the neighborhood would come see me do comedy. They were like, "You don't talk about playing basketball." That was your. That's what we knew you as as no, the athlete. I, I'm sure you're a really, really. Good, I mean, I play. I have a court here. I play every day. Let's play. <laughs> but I'm sure you're real. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I'm sure you're really good, and it, it's it's the kind of the way sometimes you see a somebody singing like in a restaurant, and they're like, "Wow, this band is awesome!" Right. And they're in a restaurant. In the same way, you can be like such an amazingly good athlete, right. and still not good enough, right, to play on the professional level, right. So you broke your father's heart, you fucking prick. I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> And instead I went into comedy, which to him is an art form, so I might as well have just been blowing the microphone. So Really? He thinks show business is gay? That d- is really old school. He did, but he's he, come around now. Yeah, he's he, uh, I'll he's tell you not what, first generation, is he? No, 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 no. He's been here. Second, third generation. <laughs> he, yeah, yeah, he, but from Italy. He's first generation Rikers Island. And, <laughs> and, and, and Rikers Island. So yeah. he... He's, you know, it's great to have a, a parent, at least, you know, I get it. One thing I learned about embarking on this career is the people who are the closest to you, who love you the most, are going to probably be the least confident in you because they they are so worried about you not making it and they just want what's best for you. Okay, but now you did make it. They but, might, you but, know. But, but I'm saying I don't disparage my mother or my family for in the beginning trying to talk me out of it. Right. Because they were just worried. They wanted what's best for me. At, at that point, I was like mad. You know, no, I, I was upset. But my father, from the beginning, was always like, Chris, I have your back 100%. So I, I still, to this day, remember that. Like, he was the guy sitting front row at the Maui Taco when I was doing open mics, you know, for nobody. And I was a loser. He was like, I got your back, which I respect right. about him. And But that's why I made such a point about my parents right. and giving them their props. They, because, they respected you. Because it's not your, th- space. your thing is the more usual story. Parents are usually like, come on, that's a pipe dream. Yes. How many people are going to make? Whereas my parents just let it happen. And right. like they knew like saying no. What are they going to say? First of all, I wasn't asking for money. Right. But they could have been like, oh, make something of your life. It goes quickly. Right. You know, you're going to wake up in 10 years and you. No, they just let it play out. And I was on The Tonight Show three and a half years later. That to yeah. answer your question about The Tonight Show, what was what was great about The Tonight Show? To your family, now you're in show business. Got it. It's right. like that was like your graduation ceremony. Right. So for that reason, it was, you know, but it doesn't like make you a star it didn't in that era you had to like we all all the comics i started we all wanted to get on a sitcom that's what it was that was it it was an everything was an audition for something else right and doing the tonight show was an audition to get on a sitcom right where now that's in my and I, generation and that's exactly what happened yeah now, <laughs> that's, now. That's what it was my the 80s was yes. sitcoms and silly movies yeah yeah you know? now 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 that's like now it's like that does i still want to do that stuff but i know that it doesn't have the power it once was but it, I don't want to do things to make money. But I want do to you do want to act? Is that a yeah? Oh, I, you do. Yeah, I, yeah. You I, in my household, anybody, everybody do loves it. Raymond Ray Romano. That was the guy. That was everybody in my from my neighborhood. There were two guys: Ray Romano and Colin Quinn. Everybody was like, Ray Romano sounds like us. Colin Quinn sounds like us. These were the guys. I love Ray. I don't know him that well. Just had him on Real Time, mm-hmm. and then well, he, came- he made Real Time. <laughs> well, he had him. <laughs> he had well. You Fucking know what? Guy. He resisted it all these years, and he was, and he's a huge, devoted watcher. But he was like, I don't think I'm smart enough. 
Uh, but he had, a, and he's of course plenty smart enough. So are you. I, yeah. If you're not interested in a Why don't I come on and just start massaging the guests? I have a doctor degree in physical therapy. How about that? What about if that's the bit? I start fucking stretching out Candace well, Owens. Listen, we're gonna do a, we're gonna do a gym teacher theme show. Do it. We've got uh who's the Jim Jordan. Yeah. We've got Dennis Astor. Yeah. Uh we've got some of the Olympic coaches yeah. who went to prison. Yeah. <laughs> just gym teachers. I'll come in there. <laughs> I'll give fucking Marco Ruby a fucking tune-up. Uh, uh, but who was I just saying? Oh, Ray Romano. Love him. Great, and Ray Romano. He had a movie. I just saw it. I liked it a lot. He and filmed it in the neighborhood, Queens. But you know it. It's about the kid who's a basketball player. Yes, his it's, son's. It's very similar to your story. He's he's a guy. See, th- see, this is. I learned a valuable lesson. I learned a valuable lesson for the failure. Failure, I think, I you know, I want, I have children, so I want my kid, you know, as much as a parent, you want to protect them. I, I know that failure is good for them. The biggest failure I ever had is I had a sitcom pilot, CBS sitcom pilot. Oh. 2016, we filmed the whole thing. You know, Les Moonves was calling me personally on the phone, telling me I'm going to be the next guy. They introduced me to Kevin James. They introduced me to Ray Romano. They said, this is CBS royalty. This is where your show's right. going to go. Chaz Palminteri playing my father, Annie Potts playing my mother, Diane wow. Guerrero playing my wife. It was like the big, we were like, we're coming out strong. I, I had sold the show in the room to CBS, NBC, ABC, buying it in the room. I'm with the guys who created How I Met Your Mother, CBS Royalty. I'm like, holy shit, this is going to happen. So we're going. What, so, what was the show about? The f- show was about my life. My life is with my girlfriend, Jasmine. We, you know, very quickly, the second, third date, she conceived our daughter our our daughter uh my eight-year-old yeah right away we, we met at this bar called place to beach i met her we fought, i could not pull out there's no way you could pull out she's so beautiful oh. that i was just like bang cannot happen she said poppy i let it fly right and she and i don't wear condoms I see. you know how could you well and I, again kids my my dummy <laughs> yes. tonight my well, dummy. now apologize my to the dummy. Night. apologize to listen, the nice people don't if you're having sex with a condom are you really having sex come on oh, and, and oh. so we as we all are as i said but i was just gonna say you go there with the Gross shit. Too much, right? This is why my family is not proud of me. I'm, I've always, Are you on my mother's side now? I've always been squeamish about shit and fart jokes. Uh, that's, I, the last, just... that's the last dirty joke I'll make. I apologize, Bill. <laughs> Lots of stuff doesn't bother me, but like, um, yeah. They're like, done. That like, was the last one. Like That's my one issue with like Family Guy, and Seth and I have talked about it many times. Like right. He loves shit and fart jokes. And I hate to like see a pile of shit yeah. <laughs> and they think it's hysterical. Seth MacFarlane well, to me is one of the, Seth MacFarlane, the guys, Seth MacFarlane and the guys who created South Park, those two guys are such comedy geniuses that they don't even get nominated for awards anymore because it's yeah. just like everybody else but those two because they're just head and shoulders above everybody. But that's always a dangerous thing to do. What when, do you think? When you name two people. In the same, like, I, I've had that happen to me. I just read a funny thing David Mamet said about it in one of his books, and he was like, whenever somebody comes up to me and says, you know, I love what you're doing. You're just the best. You and, and then they mention another person. Right. And he said, and it's always someone who I just fucking hate. <laughs> you think, you think, you think Seth MacFarlane doesn't like Trey Parker and Matt Stone? I have no idea, but I'm just They're saying, so similar. Again... I've had it happen to me, 
and I've thought ill of it because, no, Bill, but like I, I look, I love uh, Captain what is Kangaroo. It? <laughs> no, uh, America. No, what is it? Captain America. Team America. Team America. Team America. Everybody World. has AIDS. 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 Oh, Team America. World part. Police. Yes, is one of the all-time amazing greatest movies. Hysterical. I'm amazed it still gets shown. And it's, it still comes on it's amazing. because it's very politically incorrect. Yes. Um, so I give them all that credit. I never really got into the show, not because, and mostly because I haven't given it a chance. Right. Because I was friends with Seth from way back. Yes. And I was like, no, I'm team family guy. And yes. uh, so, like, let's just say I saved it. I'll, I mean, someday, because people do often. Oftentimes, say you would like soft park, and and I'm and I'm sure I would because I loved Team America. It's it's amazing, and it's one of those things where, like you know, yet again on a podcast, I've regrettably said something about someone I love in a weird way. I love Seth MacFarlane. I love what he again his comedy genius. If I ever saw him in the street, I would never ever say that I love him. I would walk the other way and fucking dive into traffic because (laughs) I would never want to even bother him. Like I'm that guy. I'm the guy who like I if I love you, I would never even I wouldn't say a word because I'm like I don't want to bother you at all. And then I would just push it down and give myself high blood pressure about how I'm not you know a a a more strong willed person and just tell the person I like that I like them. Why can't you fix these problems about yourself? <laughs> I could if you go to betterhelp.com slash Bill Maher. Um, <laughs> no, I know. We all have things like that. Well, I, that I was we talking can't. about self-sabotage. I feel oh, like, wow. I feel like Bill, and help me with this, I feel like I'm a guy who when I have peace, like when I have peace at home with my family, when I have peace at financial freedom, I look for the chaos. And for example, I had peace at home last year. I had peace. I had I had a, a, a house with a great mortgage rate in a great area. It was the house of our dreams. And I said, you know what? Let's sell this house on Staten Island so we can move to Queens so I can walk to a bagel store. I feel like I like this house on Staten Island, but you know what? I can't walk and get a coffee, and that's really important for my creative process. So now I'm in a situation where I'm going to buy another house that's twice as much money, that's half the size, that's twice the mortgage rate, and my family has looked at me and said, Chris, why the fuck, Dad, why did we leave this beautiful thing we have? And I have to kind of face the music of I self-sabotage. And it used to be I'm just hurting myself, but now I'm hurting members of my family, and I well, want to try to correct that. It's, you're very fortunate that you're self-sabotaging with such a cushion. It's one thing to self-sabotage with no cushion. Right. It's another thing to self-sabotage with you know, mortgages that are less advantageous than others, but you're still living there. Right. You know, I mean, I remember- But self-sabotage is- it, Yeah, no, that's, if, I mean, if it's really just to get a, ba- get, a ba- get a bagel, I mean, that is kind of weird. I don't know. I mean, I'd have to see where you lived in Satin Island. I, I think- want you to sleep over. <laughs> well, we know that's not going to happen. Why not? Oh, Bill, no, you would I, never do it? I would never do it anywhere. I would never do Airbnb or no. You'd rather when you go oh, to no. another place. You're, are you in a hotel or you're in Airbnb? Okay, hotel. Not an Airbnb. What? What are you a fucking migrant? 
<laughs> exactly. Like, what am I? Yeah, please, let me wash your pubes yeah. off the soap. Yeah, thanks. Ugh. Thanks, Eric Adams. I, I just, I don't, I, look, I don't get so many things about what you kids are doing, but that's really Am much. I a kid to you? I'm 39? No, I, I'm grown. No, but I. Chuck I, was telling me I'm 39. He doesn't yeah, realize how you am. I feel, I feel like my youth is ending now and my late 30s. Yeah, well, you're middle age. I am. Am I middle age? Yeah, of course. At thirty nine, was was yeah, were you do, were, at thirty nine? Where were you at in your life and career? What were you doing? Uh, do you remember politically? In, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a blank. <laughs> thirty five to forty two. I was. I don't know. <laughs> yes, I remember. What were you doing at thirty nine? Well, it was uh, the uh, third year of politically incorrect. It was doing really well for Comedy Central. The next year, it would be. Our last year, then we went to ABC. So we were right, you know, we were right in the middle of a good groove. Is that the year? I was, okay, I was still living in New York, which I did not like. That's, oh, good, you got me back to New York. That's the second time. This Now, okay, so the first time I lived on 8th Avenue between 55th and 56th. Okay, across from the Blimpies where I ate all the time. Love Blimpies. They're defunct now. I'm sure they are. There's no Blimpies anymore. But, I like a good quiz now sometimes. But then in the 90s when I moved back to do Politically Incorrect. To start in New the York. Because it was in New York, yes. Right. It was HBO Downtown Productions, their production company. And it was on Comedy Central, which was a new network with very little programming. Right. Down on Hudson Street, was it? Uh, no, it was uh, 23rd Street was okay. the studio. Yeah. Um, on the east side, like Lexington, nondescript, but mm, fine. So, uh, you know, I would walk New York. You could Walking 30 blocks is not a big deal breaker if it's you nice. get your steps in. It. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that time, that, okay, so now I'm, it's the 90s. I'm older. I'm doing better. I've got a TV show. <laughs> I still fucking hated New York. And I still never, the thing, I, I mean. Well, I we love I, you. I, I don't like, the, no, I, st- there, look, it's my home. It's my home base. It's where my father worked. It's where my family's from. But. And there are things I do love about it, but I, I never liked the weather. Right. Too okay. cold in the winter. Fair. Too muggy in the summer. Fair. My father used to say, there's 10 nice days a year. He ain't wrong. <laughs> okay. So then I don't like living in a building. Okay. I really don't like it. It's just gross knowing there are people on the other side of a fucking wall. It's, oh. it's I know you're there. Just yes. because there's this piece of wood between yes. us. I, I, I know just, you're pissing in the sink. I mean, it's, whatever. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's a gross. Roaches. You can't stop roaches in New York buildings. <laughs> and you can't. Well, in my first apartment, I, I remember waking them up sometimes crawling on me. Of course. So You had a bathtub in the living room. Well, that was a different apartment. Okay. The one, the that apartment, oddly, although it didn't really have, a, <laughs> yes, no, uh, no shower, barely a toilet, really just a hole and a chain. Um, but uh, it did not have roaches on okay. 90, 99th Street. Well, you look like you keep a, a good house. But the Eighth Avenue one really was so disgusting. Dis- oh yeah, Eighth well, Avenue still still pretty gross. No, I mean the roach situation. Oh. I mean because you're again. Everyone in the building has to be perfect with their trash. And, and they're not going to do that. No, and the rats are in the walls. and the, I mean, the roaches or whatever. Rats. The super, it's not my job. <laughs> exactly. So you can see how that was a great. Yeah, fucking, great, a great. Well, it's just a great exit line, a, a yes. great recurring. Yes. It's not my job. It's not my job. You know. Your girlfriend says, well, hey, it's not my job. <laughs> you just move it all around yes. the house. It's amazing. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Bill. 
if you don't mind. Do you what is in in what is what do you think has been the worst year of your life? Is there one that sticks out? Great question, Merv. Um, Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, the worst year, I would have to say, it would be the year where I was most um, depressed, traumatized, uh, and that would be when I was seventeen. Okay. When my first girlfriend dumped me. Why'd she dump you? Because I was acting like a dick. She was right to dump me. Okay. I had become like bored and complacent. Right. And uh, being young. Did not know how to fake it right. like we all do. So that was a traumatizing year for you. The incredibly to this day, uh, and I'm going to be 68 next week. You're going to be 68. That's what I hear. Bill, you look incredible. Well, no, 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 no Bill, 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 Bill. Let me <laughs> tell you, you something right now. Oh, let please. me tell you something right okay. now. I'm on the floor, like your boy <laughs> Richard Dreyfus, emotionally. <laughs> That you are 68 years old. Okay. I didn't. Holy shit. Uh, thank you. No, no, no. All Dude, right. you look fantastic. Right. Is, uh, are you on Ozempic? Tell us the truth. No, I'm <laughs> Dr. Drew. But to this day, I've had nothing more ever, more, more, more traumatic ever happened to me. And I've had some pretty <laughs> shitty things, but not. So I've, been, I've also been very lucky. So Never 51 been... years ago was your most traumatic <clears throat> year. Yes, because. That's beautiful. Because. Good for you. I was. Like the first time you get dumped after you think, oh, I'm going to be with this person and this is my girlfriend. And mm -hmm. I just, it was, it came as such a shock because you're just so young and stupid. Sure. So it's not like when you're an adult and you, you are a little more aware, the more times you enter into a relationship on the, on the poor side of it, the more you, in a way, debase how unique it is. Right. Whereas if you marry the first person you ever <clears throat> kiss, and, you know, you don't ever perhaps... I don't ever know any different. Right. <clears throat> it's pathetic, <laughs> but people do it. Yeah. Um, so what's the best year of your life, then, if you can imagine with all the... Everything you've lived through, if, if 51 years ago was the worst, then what would you say, if you had to single uh, it out, is the best? That's... That's really hard because at different points in your life, different things are important. So it's a little like comparing Babe Ruth and, um, you know, um, um, Aaron Judge. Right. You know, you could, but Babe Ruth played when they weren't night games. Right. The dead ball era. Well, he changed that. But sure. yes, there was the dead ball era and, and also little mitts. They didn't, they didn't wear real big gloves. Yeah, they wore so, mitts like they were oven gloves. Yeah, the, well, they wore it was literally a mitt. So no wonder they caught less balls. Yeah. You know, Babe Ruth's lifetime batting average is 342. Yes. If he played today, it would be 100 points lower. Of course. So it's a little like that, comparing how you felt in your 30s, because, you know, every decade you probably have... Okay, so what's been your best decade? Would you say, oh, if you could, if let's say you live to 100, which you uh, might... Let's, because you look like a guy who might freeze himself. Let's say, would you possibly pull a Walt Disney? No, but I'm certainly counting on AI to step up and yes. and, and, and uh, solve this age yes. thing. I think so. <laughs> but but um, would you say your best decade, if you could go back to any decade, would it be your 60s, your 50s, your 40s? It, it was this one because this one. That's very yeah. interesting. I, I I'm I'm telling you, Bill, and a lot but of people again, are. I cannot believe look, you're 68. You you I mean, are fantastic. I mean, I had. Like maybe when I was in love in mm. 
X year or X year, you know, for, you know, and relationships tend to have a, a curve of like, you know, where they kind of <laughs> keep getting better. And then, you know, at a yes. certain point, you know, it's very hard to keep the passion at its right. boil level, especially if you start out that way, like you did without a condom. Right away. Um, right away. I made my, I made, I, I made it where the, from the first moment we met, I was like, we're, there's no getting out of this. We are having a baby. Really? You know what it was? That's your opening line? You know what it was? You ready for this? I'm going to be vulnerable and honest with you right now. You ready for what it was? And this is where the self-sabotage comes in, and I don't regret it. When I met my girlfriend, the first moment I saw her, I was like, I felt a connection and a passion that I cannot explain, where I was like, I, it was a something it felt from the cosmos. And this is 10 years later, so I know it's real. So I felt something, and I said, and when she told me, okay, when she told me in the first 10 minutes, because she's an excellent mother, that she had a child already. She had a, she had a four-year-old son. I felt like, and that that kid's father was still in her life. I felt like the only way I was going to feel significant to her is if her and I had a child too. So most people say, because I was already, you know, doing well enough. I was already on TV, whatever. Right. Not selling major tickets, but I was already like, yeah. Doing okay. People think the story is, oh, she must have trapped you. She must. She had a kid from somebody else already. Right. She, you know, had a you know okay job. She trapped you. Other way around, my friend. I trapped her because I knew. Why? Why do anyone <laughs> need to trap another person? Yeah. Why? What? Aren't we starting off on a bad paradigm right there? That you cold? That uh, not after you get to know me. Okay. No, because you're, you're bundled up right now. Is it, isn't it kind of cold in here? No. Dude, you're a 68-year-old woman. But what? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, it, it's always been that way. Bill oh, No, no, no. Who cares? Oh, look. Our, our, I, I, look, I remember. We're rem- done? I, no, I rem- no, you're no we're not done. Okay. I'm just saying I remember. I usually forget to do this. Are these mine? January 20th. Let me <laughs> right. read them. Let ladies, me read them. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll see it's potluck. You'll see one of us. Okay. If you like both of us, I said you can't lose. Yeah. But January 27th, San Diego at the San Diego Civic Theater. That sounds like you, but it could, it could be me. <laughs> February 16th and 17th, Las Vegas. Oh, this is me. David Copperfield Theater at the MGM Grand. And March 2nd, Houston, the Hobby Center. And March 3rd, El Paso, the Plaza Theater Performing Arts Center. And where are you performing, Chris? There it is. Bill Maher on David Copperfield Theater. He's on the Epstein List Tour. Um, oh. Uh, I, who cares, right? And, uh, and, and... Where am I, Bill? Yeah, where are I'll you tell playing? you where I'm not is real time with Bill Maher. Oh, uh, well, I thought you were. I thought you were into the organic. I'm kidding. I'm uh, or, kidding. Organically. I'm kidding. No, Bill, listen to me. Here's the maybe thing. you fuck on the first date, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my friend. Listen, if you were Puerto Rican, I'd be fucking you right now. And, and, um, and I, where, I'll, where I'll be? You ready for this, folks? You ready for where I'll be? February. Listen to me. Come out. February 2nd, the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. Ah, oh, played Legendary place, times. beautiful. Love and it. then February 3rd, the Warner Theater in Washington, D.C. And then February 8th, the Grand Sierra Resort, Reno, Nevada. And I'll tell you what, folks, I'll be open with you right now. I need your help. I'm not, I'll tell you what, it's no fucking Radio City. The ticket sales are 50% sold, if that. 
Well, that's very honest. I've never <laughs> quite heard <laughs> anyone do a plug like that. That's yes. that's refreshingly kind of beautiful. Either come to the show or I kill myself on stage. It's your choice. Plug that's a hands. very interesting yeah. way to do it. In well, fact, you might I think, be honest you with you, might think about actually putting a gun to your head. <laughs> but wait, let them... Man, I'll, I'll be rock hard on stage. But let them see you put a bullet in there. At least give them a shot. Let's do it. And uh, then threaten to What am I doing? Kill- am I sleeping over or what? No. Am I you, hanging out in the house? Yeah. Do you have to go somewhere? No. Oh, okay. Fuck? I'm supposed so what, to. So what are you out here for? What are you, are you doing? I'll a- do a Jimmy Kimmel tomorrow. I came out here for you. To, right. I swear to God, I came out here when they told me, when Chuck reached out, I came out here to do this. And then I, this Friday, I'm doing the Magnolia Theater out in San Diego. And then Saturday, I'm doing the Will Turn. That's awesome. That's Will, a great You ever do game. the Will Turn? Um, no, I don't think I've ever done the Will Turn. Well, it I've, seems I've, like I'm not doing it either. I'm I've, about 30% sold. I've done the Nokia. That's about 6,000. And you sold that puppy. Yes, out. I did. Yeah, the fact that, it, buddy, I'm telling you, I, but look at my okay. LA ticket sales, but and we are not the same. Can I say something about? Uh, I know Jimmy and Aaron Rodgers both have sat there, both my friends. I know they're beefing. I love them both, yeah. And, you know, I gotta say, Jimmy Kimmel is one of the sweetest, nicest guys, and I feel like I've not been as nice to him mm-hmm. as he's been to me. I really mean that. Yeah. I really think he's an awesome guy. He's he is. such a sweet guy. He is. He, I mean, there's a reason why. He has had the success he's had. And I that was my old time slot. You right. know that we yes. did a switch. That right. was a, a hot Jimmy, Jimmy is one of those guys who I've gotten to know him very well. He's I know. taken me under his wing a I bit. I know he has. And he's a really, really great he guy really and is. a comic first. When all that Aaron Rodgers shit went down and all that stuff, like I thought he handled it good. And I texted him, J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 and he wrote back, LOL. Because <laughs> he's just a yes. good dude. You know, look, he's look, a good uh, dude. I, Here's and here's where again. So that's Jimmy. I mean, I just think he's such a great guy. And again, you don't last that long mm-hmm. unless there's something innately about you that the audience, especially in these kind of jobs where you're just speaking directly, mm-hmm. you're not reading cards. I mean, there's things we do as a bit off the prompter, but generally you're just speaking. You're they have to feel like there's something they like about you. That's sure. something that's real. And, you know, what he is comes across as just what he is, a, a great, funny, kind guy. Right. So um, I, it bothers me that he's beefing with Aaron. And Aaron was, look, I love Aaron. Um, and You know him personally as well. Well, he sat there. We are simpatico on medical matters. Right. Uh, Jimmy, I am not. And that's okay. We don't all have to sure. agree. I think Jimmy is way too captivated by orthodox uh, ideology mm-hmm. and science is not religion. It's it's ever changing and sure. should be looking at different ideas. And I think he's that's my opinion that he's way too um, indoctrinated into a certain mode of thinking. And just ask Dr. Fauci; he has all the answers. And it is really let's not to get into it. I've <clears throat> done it on many podcasts, but um, it, it's just not my way of thinking. Aaron should not have made that original comment about Epstein. And, you know, whether it's technically true what he said, I mean, technically actionable what he said or not, you know, Link. And and also, Jimmy Kimmel is like the last guy in the world who would fucking be, uh, I might be. (laughs) Yes. I wouldn't. Well, Middle Village doesn't think you were on there. What? Middle Village (laughs) Police does not think you're on there. No, I would. Look, I mean, I wouldn't be on there, but... 
the idea that Jimmy Kimmel would yeah. be on that plane in that company, just first of all, he's not, he's a very successful guy. He's not of that stature. No. <laughs> it, it, I mean, no offense, but he's yeah. just not of that stature. And he's not into, yeah. you know, yeah. creepy stuff. Listen, I, I, I know Jimmy, you know, relatively well. He's, again, a genuine dude, a guy who, as I've said, when you get to know him personally, like if he had a podcast like you, it would be shooting the shit. It would be like Jimmy is one of the funniest guys you talk to, a guy's yeah. guy. Yeah. There's no way. Even, even some of the people who online, who on social media are like, you know, buy into the bullshit about Jimmy. It's like, if you knew Jimmy, you'd realize he thinks just like you. He acts just like you. He's just a great guy. Well, funny he doesn't guy. think just like me. He's, he's way... Well, thinks differently than you. I'm talking he, about the guys from yeah. like Middle Village. He's, he's to the woke of me. Right, which and is again, fine. That is fine. Because that's America. That's the beautiful part of our country is that we can have kind of differences of opinion. Exactly. And be okay. In Russia, you can't do that. Especially when they're... When they're um, slighter differences than the major ones. Like, we both don't want Trump to be president. Right. Okay. I do. You do? No. And that's okay. No, I don't. I, 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 I don't know. If I'm being, you want to be full? Yeah. yeah. I, Donald Trump, the thing is, in New York for like- Queens boy. Queens boy. He's a Queens boy. <laughs> Donald Trump, when we were little kids- there was a festival in Cross on Cross Bay Boulevard, <laughs> what, like the festival of San Gennaro, and yes. it was Don Cheech dispensing yes. favors to the. Is that we really call it the festival of January sixth? Uh, no, no, there was a festival when we were little kids. Okay, everybody, this is true. In Queens on Cross Bay Boulevard, out in Howard Beach, there was a Howard Beach kind of a uh, you know festival, like a uh, you know fucking sausage and pepper stands and Ferris wheels and all that. So how, where's Howard Beach like related to Jones Beach? How, uh, so Jones Beach is Long Island, Howard Beach is Queens. Oh, Queens. So, so further in. Howard Beach is like the Italian, real old school Italian neighborhood. And right. at that festival- With a I, beach. Right, I would always go, you know, my dad would take me, my family, we would always go. And as little kids, John Gotti, old mob boss, sure. that's where he lived, his stomping grounds. He owned Howard Beach and Donald Trump would always be there. And John Gotti and Donald Trump, to a little kid, to a little 10-year-old kid, were awesome. Shaking hands, sure. cotton candy, whatever you want. So the thing is, when you're from New York and the neighborhood I'm from, all of us have, like, at some point in our life, been around an event where Donald Trump has been there, and he's he is a very, very, very in-person, likable man. Totally. I met him twice. Yes. Once <laughs> the Playboy Mansion, it was uh, the Midsummer Night's Dream Party. Yeah. So everyone is in either lingerie or men, some sort of sleeping attire. Sure. And he had the power suit on. Yes. Walking around, did like a lap. Yes. In the power suit. Yes. And yes, I agree. He was, and I've heard so many people say this in person, he was charming. In, charming. In the sense that, and what is the definition of charming? Somebody who's interested in you. Right. And... <laughs> That's yes. what we think is charming, and he was. It was right. like, you know, how are you doing? What? I mean, that is a way that a salesman ingratiates himself, right. you know. But, yeah, he was not the monster we saw right. so many times, you know. I, I've made a choice, and th again, this is just my choice. I'm not saying people at home should do this, but just my choice as a human being. If I don't know you personally or if I've never met you, 
I don't really have an opinion on you. I can't go by the edited versions that the media shows me. Like, now I know you as Bill Maher. And right. I sat down with oh, you I for totally two hours. And I'm like, you know what, Bill? I like you, man. I was in your presence. Right. I like you. I can't tell you if I, I like, like you too, man. If I like Zelensky. <laughs> you're moving your jeans like you have a fake leg. <laughs> like it got blown off and numb. And, 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 and I don't know Zelensky. I don't know Joe Biden. I, to be honest, don't even know Donald Trump. So I can't tell you I have an opinion on them. I have an opinion on Jimmy Kimmel. Well, I have an opinion on you. And I can tell you you're great guys because I've met you and I like well, you. Okay, I like you too, but that's ridiculous. You absolutely can have an opinion on people in politics. But because, how do I know? Because there are certain things that they do that get reported in a newspaper certain things that are incontrovertible, including quotes. But how so do I know are, that you didn't, ed, not you, but the media didn't edit that and okay, take that's a, words that's a, out? That's a crazy level of paranoia. I have many, many issues with the New York Times, but when they quote someone directly, I trust the New York Times okay. is quoting the words exactly as they can. They are not doctoring it. So, but a now, clip sometimes a clip online on Twitter. No, what they can—they're leaving do, out words or what, no? What they—that's Twitter. Well, All yes, right. that's why you should read a newspaper instead of get it from social media because they can fuck with it that way. Now, what they can do in the New York Times, what they do do, is editorialize in the article. Okay. It should be reserved for the editorial page, but they do it on the front page mm -hmm. and every page. So does the New York Post in the opposite direction. Okay. One of them is conservative and just gives you the conservative point of view. And one of them slants everything toward the liberal, democratic, and very often very woke point of view. Right. Uh, and you, yeah, so they will quote the accurate thing somebody says, but the editorial part comes in with, well, he said four things. Which one do we print? If you print one of them, it makes him sound stupid. If you print another one, maybe it sounds reasonable. Those kind of decisions are made, and they do affect how you see somebody. That's why you can't get news only from one source, unless you want to be in a bubble. And I right. do not want to be in a bubble. And my whole success, really, right. is about breaking through that bubble right. and being the anti-bubble guy. I don't have a team. Right. That's why I don't have a lot of support in, you know, like, I will never get nominated for anything or you know, they, they never put me on a cover of a magazine, things like that, because that's like the establishment. I am not playing in there. But that's a safer and better way to go. It's more appease, you know. It, it, uh, it's a sacrifice that's worth it, but, is but, what but, it is. But you have, you, what, what the valuable lesson that I was getting to that I learned with this sitcom pilot that failed, okay, it didn't have, it didn't go, is what the valuable lesson I learned is that, you cannot put your hands, you cannot put your career in the hands of the media or the networks. You have to put it in the hands of your fans, and you've done an excellent job of that, yeah. is your fans are the ones who uphold you because, as you said, yeah. you're not getting nominated for these things. Right. Fans don't give a crap. They don't. They're supporting you no, for you, and, and that's a beautiful thing. And I think we both understand you could not possibly do both. I could not possibly speak the way I do that makes them such loyal fans. Right. And also be, you know, with Meryl Streep at sure. the Golden Globes. It's just, you know, it's just two different universes. And I'm not picking on her, but I mean, like, there are people who are, you know, woke approved and safe, and then there are people who are the sure. opposite of that. Sure. I, I noticed that they, 
uh, are mulling having Ricky Gervais back, which would be awesome because he is not. He is the one. I, I got to give him a lot of props to be even considered. Um, and he won the award yeah. uh, this year uh, because he's out there as far as like, right. you know, upsetting the woke yeah. apple cart. Um, as a comedian, and, and I would assume you would agree, as a comedian to me, there is nobody better served for that Golden Globe spot if we're just talking about comedy spit than the best. Ricky Gervais. The best, he was so great Ricky at Ricky Gervais, when I, his shows, his scripted shows, when I watch Afterlife, when I watch Derek, when I watch his version of The Office, I look at him and I say, you know, there's the Ray Romanos, there's the Jerry Seinfelds, but when I watch Ricky Gervais, I say, that is a man. I, as a comedian, I love his style and I love his unapologetic right. version of him. And that's a guy in that world, in that scripted world, I would kill for a chance to work with Ricky Gervais. To me, he's the best to ever do the scripted show, in my opinion, subjective I mean, opinion. Like The Office. Yes. And Derek I mean, and The Afterlife, his show Afterlife on Netflix to me was right. groundbreaking for me. It's the only sh comedy show that spoke to me as an adult where I was like, this man is just kind of helping me through depression and, and anxiety. And great that he can do that and still then do stand-up at yes. such a high level. Because that's something most, you know, Woody Allen, you know, was a great stand-up. Sure. But he didn't do it, you know, one year past when he became a filmmaker. Well, Bill. He was he, like, I'm making films. I'm well, not going back to my high school. Well, that's the thing, too, about you. That's what they respect, at least from the comedy crew, about you is we know that you don't financially have to do stand-up, but you do it for the love of it. Yes. And there's a deep appreciation in my seat, in the Dreyfus seat, for you because of that. <laughs> and I think the fans, too, the fans well, who come, who are big fans, you know, you don't have to be performing anywhere. You don't have to do any of this. But yeah. For the love, and there's there's a deep appreciation I have for that. It's 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 also, for me, almost like, you know, they always say you need a hobby. Mm -hmm. Now, that's don't take that the wrong way, like I'm denigrating stand-up, like, oh, it's just a hobby. No, it's what I started out doing. Yeah. Okay, it's the goose that laid the golden egg. Sure. And, uh, you know, I feel like I've never been better at it. I mean, you asked me before about, like, Carson, did you did you look back and hate it? Yeah, I hated some of the jokes I was doing. Right. Because I got better. Yeah. Uh, you know, but when you're younger, they let you get away with it. You're adorable, I guess. I don't know what it was. But some of them were funny. Some of them make me cringe. But um, but that but that's the, that's the, I think, kind of thing about a great comic is you to Louis C.K. to Bill Burr would look back at their old material and be like, ugh, cringe, because you've evolved. You know, yeah, if you're not so, looking back at your stuff from 10 years ago and not, and if you're looking back and be like, that was great, then you now, haven't evolved. see, I'm older than you. 10 years ago, I was good. <laughs> 20 right. years, I'm talking about, you know, I started at 23. You know, I did my first uh, HBO as a half hour special. Look, there's funny stuff in all of it. It's just, and again, it's it's apropos <laughs> to my age. Sometimes, I mean, I was in my late sixty-eight. I was in my late twenties, dude. You're so my Harriet Tubman. So they, so the stuff I was talking about, you know, was sometimes very different than what I would talk about today. Sure. And also, you just don't have the gravitas, right, to speak about politics when you're in your twenties. Like it's not. You haven't earned so the right yet. Now you haven't you have. earned the right, and now and the, and the audience is correct. You right. haven't. You right. haven't lived enough. You know. Well, that's that's why <clears throat> that's why you know the Golden Globes just happened. That's why I think Ricky Gervais is perfect for that. And to be honest, you would be good at that if you ever wanted to. Oh, I so good. 
Because, they because, would never dare. No, because because you're all contemporaries <laughs> with these people. When you have a guy, other people who like, you know, the celebrities may not know, even if they're big names, it's like, it's a tough thing because they're it's like, all, but that's you a, gotta be contemporaries with these people. I, but these, people, these are, people are very indoctrinated. Look, sure. I love my show business compatriots. It's a wonderful business. Thank you, Jesus, for putting me in it. But I believe in Jesus, by the way. We'll talk about that. Oh. I'm reading The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. It's convincing evidence. What do you think? I throw people out of the club here? You believe in whatever you want. I I didn't. I went to Catholic school my whole life. But after reading this book, Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, the factual evidence that he existed is kind of overwhelming. I'd like to see that because the factual evidence that he existed has always been underwhelming. In fact, it's always... Read Case for Christ. Yeah, I Give will. it a shot by Lee Strobel. Uh, this is based on what? Archaeological finds? Archaeological finds. New uh, ones? Theological <laughs> finds. Ivy League. What are theological finds? The Bill, ready for this? Yeah. The If I told you, okay, Alex, if I told you factual evidence about Alexander the Great, you would believe me. Okay, but it, it, even still, it's a, it's a silly point because who cares if Jesus lived? It's whether he's then died and re- was reborn and is, you know, up in heaven with his father who's really him. Okay. That's the, the part that where the rubber meets but, the road. Uh, Maybe he existed. I agree. That's fine. absolutely possible. Fine. He may have existed. But, but according to Case for Christ, independent sources who didn't know each other, who wrote about him within 20 years of his death, talked about these miracles happening as in real time. Okay, well, again. And Alexander the Great's biographers, the earliest one was like 100 years after he died. Chris, I'm gonna have to burst your bubble now because here, I have to spit a couple of facts at you that are kind of like under, okay. There's only two sources in the Bible. There's the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's also another guy, Josephus, who wasn't accepted, but read the case for Christ. Not in the Bible. Okay, okay. But the Bible is itself an anthology. They they found some few decades ago the Dead Sea Scrolls, which were other books that were just basically edited out. So right away we know a person decided what constituted the Bible and just some stuff wound up on the cutting room floor. I get it. Council of Nicaea. I get it. Council of Nicaea, yes. 325 AD. That's when they decided the Christian religion. I agree with you. Right. I'm I'm with you on that. I remember that. that. But I'm telling you, read this book. That's that's Emperor Constantine. Shout out Constantine, Turkey, all that. Well, the first one. Constantinople. Well, yes, the first one to change the Roman Empire to a Christian empire. They decided all the holidays. It took three centuries. I get it. Okay. Listen, Bill, I'm with you on that. But here's the important point. Let's do it. There's only <laughs> there's only these five sources. A little bit more tequila, that's it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm wrecked right now. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Good boys. Not contemporaries of Jesus. Not even close. Matthew. Okay. So they lived from 70 to 110 years after him. I understand. No, that. no, no. From 40 to 70 years after. But they got their information from Josephus, who lived about <clears throat> 10 years after Jesus. So already we're into a game of telephone. Okay. Bill, yes, but the, but the other. I, person, I, I want to make you let you make a point, but let me just t- just quickly. The game of telephone. Yes, I agree with you that point. But the game of telephone in Jesus's times, according to Lee Strobel in the case of Christ, was 
the simple fact of we're playing the game of telephone. There's 10 people here. The game of telephone, as we know it today, is you say something in my ear, and then it goes around 10 times, and by the time it gets to you, it's something radically different. This game of telephone, this ancient game of telephone was, but you tell it to me, then the third guy confirms what you said before it goes to the fourth guy. So there's a level Uh, of checking, checks and balances. Chris, Chris, you're working too hard. If you want to believe this shit, Believe it. You don't have to convince me or construct this scaffolding to which you hang this belief. Just believe it. It's all good. Okay. I but it's Don't come to me and when you die at St. Peter's, I'm not getting you in. But but you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't go there with you. It's just, you know, it's silly. And well, I'm, I'm just saying I'm just, I, it's it's <clears throat> nice the idea to believe in something. I'm just trying. Trying it on for size. Here's also what's very interesting. <clears throat> and then I'll leave this subject. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think I've bored the audience with this before, but what do you think? Barbara in Milwaukee gives a fuck. They turned this off. They when they turned this off when they found out I wasn't Ellen. Yeah, like that's the kind of audience we have. Um, <laughs> Your so, audience is great. So uh, I think they'll, you think they'll like me. Saint Paul. Good guy, Saint is, Paul, uh, aka Saul, is and the, the capital of Minnesota is the uh, other source of the Bible. Yes. There's Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. I said the two names out of order because that's the order in the Bible. The first gospel, Mark, is 70 AD. Jesus dies in 33. So that's 40 years almost after he died. Okay. So not contemporaries. Paul comes before the gospel writers. He's writing around the year 50. In the 50s. Okay. So he's much closer to Jesus' time. So you'd think he would know more about Jesus than the people who came later. But actually, St. Paul knows almost nothing about Jesus. He barely conceives of him as something that, as a person who lived on earth. There's no details about his life like they are in the Gospels. So the people who came later know more than the person who wrote earlier. Just some food for thought. But, okay, I, I understand. But. He does acknowledge at some point, right? Paul, aka Saul, knows yeah. that Jesus existed, right? He he talks about him. He talks about. I'm saying he conceives him as a godhead. He doesn't have this. It's not the narrative that's in the Gospels of Jesus went around and he did miracles and he did stuff and everybody okay, loved there- him and he gets quoted a lot. He makes speeches. Blessed are the meek. You know, he has adventures. He goes into the desert. It's a whole thing. But what about... And then at the end, it's a whole drama with, you know, he's crucified. Oh, no. Paul doesn't know any of this. All the stuff that the gospel writers obsess about and that are his biography. It's a little strange. But maybe, but Paul, it's okay for Paul to be somebody who maybe there was a lot of people who didn't like Jesus. You know what's okay? That's okay. What's okay is that some people believe and other people don't. That's what's okay. It's like that's you. Yeah. And and, I'm not trying to put it on you. I'm just saying what I believe. I know. I know. I'm wearing a corduroy shirt. My mother got me for Christmas, and I feel confident. (laughs) Is that really your mother got you? Yes. You ever been to Japan? No. Should we go? No. Why don't you want I, to go to Japan? <laughs> it's too far. But why it's, not? We'll do a, no, we'll do a PJ. You'll pay go, for it. I don't go east of La Brea. I really? Mean, well, come you on. You don't go international? I do not anymore. I I, I, I did some international. Why, hon? Uh, <laughs> because it's, it's just too uh, stressful. I'm a nervous traveler, very nervous traveler. Right. So travel has to be made super pampered for me 
or else it's just I'm just stay home. You know, the fact the fact, you know, the thing is about you, Bill, what's overwhelming. <laughs> no, seriously, from sitting close to you. And I don't know if your fans know this about you. You're you're a passionate guy. And that's <laughs> nice about you, dude. It's not it's nice to see real passion from a guy. It really is. Well, thank you. you yes. I, I mean, I, see I, I disingenuous from a lot. A lot of people are disingenuous. You're a genuine, passionate guy. And that's very, I know the streets, you know, growing up in New York, you got to I mean, side out the bullshit. You're passionate, man. Yes. And, you know, when I get head up about something, it's real. I'm not acting it because I, that, I think, is my bond with the audience. They know I'm never acting or faking yeah. it or, or pulling a punch. And so, you know, if I'm like, you know, it's it's real because I've certainly seen plenty of hosts like get way too fake worked up mm-hmm. about something that oh I know you don't really care about it right. that much you know right. it's just like and they act like the issue uh, is um, happening to them personally right. more than the whole country it's just gross and uh, I always you know took the advice of, I don't know where I read it when I was a kid thinking about being a comic, of don't leave out the jokes. Mm-hmm. Always keep in the jokes. Always. Because that's the sugar that makes the medicine go down. You know, you 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 don't ever, uh, Lenny Bruce forgot the comedy. You know, it's happened. Right. Talk about self-sabotage. Sure. That's a way to do it. Sure. Forget the jokes. Think you're too important to mm-hmm. do that or... You know. Yeah, so, some of my peers I'll see on social media, they'll make a political point, no joke. And I'm like, but it says comedian in your bio. Where's the joke? My my friend Jimmy Jet Blue could say what you just said. Where's the material? That's why I think personally, what I would like to see in 2024, I know it's an election year, the presidential candidates, whomever they may be, should go on your show and Joe Rogan's show. That's what I... CNN, Fox News also go on them. But if the if you really want a genuine election, go on Bill Maher's show, go on Joe Rogan's show, and there you have it. Debate see, there. But see, you did it again. What did I do now? You, you and Joe. See, if no, I happen to respect Joe a lot. Sure. And like you were him. great on his pod. Oh, thank you. And I like him a lot. But if it had been somebody I who, too. Who, who I didn't like or respect... Then you would have like done the you would have committed that mammoth crime. Yes. Of, of, yes. I love you know if somebody came up to you and said, "Oh my God, you are just my favorite comedian." You and and like I don't want to say any names because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Right. But I'm sure you can think of some names. Yes. Of some we used to call them hacks. Yes. Uh, derivative right. is a word that came up right. sometimes. Right. Um, and I worked with. So many great comics, and some who did not make it. You know, I don't know if you had the same experience. If you were like in clubs for a number of years, sure. where you got to know guys like a band of brothers because sure. you hung out every night in the yes. clubs. Yes. Okay. And you know, I remember, still remember some of their acts. Yeah. And some of the great jokes. And what happened? You know, I mean, it's a little like the army. The guy next to you gets shot. The guy next to you on the right. other side gets shot. And, you know, um, I don't know why some funny people didn't continue with that career. Maybe the material ran out or... Yeah. I don't know. Well, a lot of it is, you know, luck is, you know... Just the audience, just like, I don't know. It's timing. Or drive, ambition, like... Yeah. Or just luck. Yeah. You know? Life is timing. Like Rodney Dangerfield 
you know, yeah. who went on to become a legend. He was doing that I Get No Respect act for years and years and years. It wasn't until the movie The Godfather came out, which was all about respect, and he was the no respect guy, did he become famous in Rodney Dangerfield. It was a, it was a timing thing, which I, is why I mentioned in the beginning of your podcast, you've become, you've just always stayed true to who Bill Maher is, you are you, and now the country is changing, but you're staying who you are and your numbers are going up because now the country has evolved to be like, we are aligning with Bill Maher because he's rational and sounds like we all sound. There, there but was there was a, a time where you, you didn't to, to people. But you there, stay who yeah, you there, are. There was a poll, like uh, it was reported in Mediaite about, uh, it was like right around Christmas that I was the most <laughs> trusted. More than Rogan, more than it's a- You were the most trusted. Yes. Yes. More, it said more I than agree. Joe Rogan and more than um, Jake Tapper. I believe it. And I like Jake Tapper. I like I Jake mean, Tapper. He's one, of the, he's one of the few- Talking heads on cable news that I I like. You he know? seems he seems like he's just down the middle. I used to love Brian Williams. Mm-hmm. He was like Cary Grant doing the news. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, trust I think is something that you you get like that because first of all you've been around for a while, a long time, thirty years on TV without with only a six month interruption. That's a long time. Yes. Um, and you're right, and, and sticking to your guns. And also, the both sides have gotten nuttier, mm-hmm. way nuttier. Yes. Trumpism is nuttier, and wokeism is nuttier. Mm-hmm. So to be, <clears throat> I think, well-positioned in the middle, I mean, of course, you know, lots of people think I'm horrible because I'm in the middle somehow. I think I'm where I always was, basic old-school liberalism. But the goalposts have moved around sure. me. And Elon Musk made the same point. You know, he drew it once. Right. And there's lots of us who feel the same way, like Barry Weiss and people like this are like, she's, she's like not a conservative. Right. It's a, she's married to a woman. She's right. Jewish. These are not right. things that we've ever associated with. Right. And we're not conservatives. Well, that, well that's why I'm saying <clears> and like why I try to talk to, you know, my kids as a parent is like, just stay true to who you are. Don't conform to the world because the world is always ever changing. But you've always stayed true to who you and are. How old are these children? Thirteen, eight, and two. Which one is the one from the previous marriage? Thirteen. Thirteen. My so, stepson. Yeah. His stepson, thirteen. Great that's, kid. That's a lefty. <laughs> okay. he, he could fucking okay. solve a Rubik's cube in six seconds. He's almost autistic. All how right. great he is! At I'm the never going to meet him, but you know. Why not? He'll I'm come over. Kidding. No, Why I don't. He'll sleep I, over. I don't like kids. But he's a good kid. He's a lefty. How every parent thinks their kid's a good kid. No, no, no. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to give you a dissertation no, on my children. He's this kid's a good kid. He's got great hair. I'm, I'm, you would <laughs> like this kid. <laughs> okay, you would know better, Chris. You like, and you would like his dad too. His dad's a good guy. His dad. How great, great is that? I'm his very real good dad friends. You're talking about? I'm very good friends with my stepson's father. How great is this? I'm in a great relationship where me, my girlfriend, wife, and my stepson's father all make decisions for our children together. Three, three of us. So Isn't the, that nice? So things can work. They can work, Bill. <laughs> I, I want you to have a ch- that, sex no, with is, a woman that, who has a child. That I've, I've had sex with a woman who's had a child. You think I've gotten <laughs> 68 years old and never had sex with a... Bill, I... There can't, was a time when I was all about the single moms. I don't know, it just was a coincidence or something. How great but are single moms? Circumcised like, or no? Like late 90s. Right. 
mid late night. I feel 39, like thirty nine forties. Yes, I but I just feel like I knew a few in that period women I dated who were single moms and they were still very young. <laughs> you know, come on, everybody likes what they like. So, but the thing is, like normally a twenty two year old girl and I was forty, so okay, a little older, but I don't think that's ridiculous. Who gives a You're shit? Drive Please, Cher's boyfriend is. 40 years Dude, younger. it's like, you and know, Madonna. thank God this isn't medieval yeah. times. People should be able to just do what they want with who if you're they over want. 20, if you're over hey. 18, it's whatever you want to do. I'm not morally, but it, legally, it's fine. You know what the definition of an age-appropriate relationship is? Tell me. One that works. That's it. That's what's appropriate, what works. Anyway, you see, they have me like pre-defending shit because you're just like so it. your antenna's always up for these what don't these even assholes. worry about it. you're right bill let me <clears> tell you something you're i fans, just like to say fuck them before i like to pre pre-fuck you your fans are fucking right I or know. die exactly. it doesn't matter you're if fucking, so right if the new york times or you're, whoever turned around tomorrow and said bill maher said your fans don't you're give a fuck so right you've doctor. you've created thank you you've put your career okay. in the hands of your fans and not a network and that's, that's the right. beauty of this yes, shit. you're right no that's the beauty thank of you. it what you've done bill that was very profound billy Marr, william Marr, folks <laughs> he's a good man he's but, a founding father but what was i talking about there it was something important to me i don't know come on what bill, were we just talking about what are we gonna do we're gonna go to dinner what are we gonna do no, it was like... You can't. You got to work. Oh. You got to work. You got to work. My uh, vacation monologue. ended with a thud. Yeah. I, what, you so, went on vacation recently? No. I, well, we were off. We had off from... Our last show was December 15th, and so here it is, January. What Can I tell it? you something real quick? I'm sorry to interrupt. Your episode with Candace Owens was beautiful, because I know you guys have differences of opinion. Yeah. But it was a great episode. Thank and you. I, I can't... I, I'm going to tell you something right now. One of the most beautiful women in the world to me is Candace Owens. She's, and I don't she, agree with all her politics, but right. just a beautiful person, a confident, passionate woman. I love her. Yes. I mean, I, she is a... a certainly, she's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. To me. She's, she's beautiful. And I'm going to get in trouble and, for this. Jazz, I, I'm in love with you. But yeah, it's okay th- to I, think other people I, are I, pretty I, once in a while. I think we got that. Okay. I, no, I, can, I love I, her. I want to make sure that she knows I fucking love her because I I, don't, I need to get scissors to the throat I, again. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can tell you're. I mean, you are. You're a lucky motherfucker because it's lots of people find somebody great. It's keeping it going, mm-hmm. and it's keeping having passion at ten years right. with them. That's what is what elusive. Jas- What is beautiful about my partnership with Jasmine is I know that woman has my fucking back. She will not right, but, let anybody yes, right. get in between. She but, has my back, and that's beautiful. But excuse me, as wonderful as the quality is of having your back, and I agree, it is a great one that I couldn't live without either. If I right. when I get serious with somebody, you will. But you're in your seventies, having get somebody, having somebody's back, doesn't always make your dick hard. Okay, it's a different kind of thing. It helps it, that she's a gorgeous Puerto Rican. It helps woman. even gorgeousness. Oh, has its limits. You know the old saying, show me the most beautiful woman in the world and somewhere there's a guy who's tired of fucking her. That's what my dad said. <laughs> well, that puts me in good company. No, huh? my father, my father's 76. He told me, Chris, uh, here's the one thing I need you to know. My dad told me this. He goes, here's the one thing I need you to know is my brain, my male brain is no different than your brain. He goes, it's just when I look in the mirror, I have a dick that doesn't work. 
when you look in the mirror, you have a dick that still works. He goes, but I still want to have sex with the girl who walks into the video store just like you. But I can't because I can't get my dick up. But he said the male brain still thinks it's 25 years old. So he said, so just if you're happy with this woman, stay with this woman, build a life with this woman, you'll be okay. That's what he told me. What's wrong with his dick? He can't get it up. Why? He, uh, too many meds. He's on blood pressure Med medicine, oh, diabetes course. medicine. Yeah. You're a healthy guy. Yes. It's you got a healthy BMI. It, I bet your BMI is normal. Um, yes. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Um, you know, it's like to be president, you have to be 35, right? Which is, you think, what do you it's think a about little that like rule? Oh, I think it's good. I mean, okay. 35 is, ab I mean, please. What, should there be an age limit the other way? You can't no. be over well, 70. No, because that's because that's a case by case. I mean, there are definitely people in their 90s. I wouldn't think we should elect them president, but I don't know. Other cultures understand the benefit of having sage advice, and sage right. comes with age. And um, sage comes at, with age. Make at, that merch. At, at, le at least have have someone around as the the nester, the wise old advisor who I, I just feel like that would be a good role. You could have like some like president emeritus role. I like that. And some like Biden would be good for that. And then have a younger guy, you know, like Gavin Newsom running around, sure. you know, somebody who looks great and is vim and vigorous. Well, listen, and I, I, again, I'm not political, but and I'm not politically educated, as, as, certainly not as much as <laughs> you, you see, are. You say things like that, and then you're mad at me for not putting you on real time. <laughs> I'm not political, and I'm not politically educated. Bill, why can't I get on your political Come show? Come on, Bill. What is the problem? What am I got to do? hold up? Is it because I'm white? Yes, that's what it is, you piece of shit. Oh. Um, no, but... Is there, and I might be wrong factually, but we're in the new, we're in the election year of 2024. Let me get a little bit. We're in the election year of 2024. Go ahead, light it up. Come on. <laughs> what, be a crack house? <laughs> okay. Has there ever been a time where there's no clear-cut candidate for who's representing the Repubs, who's representing the Dems this late in the year? Well, there is clear-cut. We exactly know who they are. Is it Joey B versus Donnie T? Oh, you really don't know anything about politics. No, I told you, I don't know. Okay, you're, I, I look, you're, you're, you're never you're my daddy. On, you're never getting on real time. You can't. I'm not. You're not even allowed in the studio. You can't be in the. <laughs> you, 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 you cannot be in the crowd. Come on! Wow. I'll put in a new boiler for you. <laughs> <laughs> but you think it's Donnie T versus Joey B? I can't even. It couldn't. It. It's not confirmed. Usually, I don't ever talk to someone this stupid about politics unless they're 22 and they uh, have big tits. Uh, I am 22 with big tits. Okay. To, to the young kids. This yes. is what a woman looks like in yes. 2040. And, uh, and just to save you some anguish when you're out and at parties and so forth and talking to people, museums, <laughs> wherever you go, um, just to save yourself some anguish, yeah, don't say it like it's somebody's unique opinion. So you think it's going to be a Trump and Biden? Yes, we all know. It's going to be Trump and Biden. Trump is beating his nearest competitors in the primaries by like 40 points. But they said in uh, 2016 that Hillary Clinton was up by 80 points and Trump won. They never said that. You're getting the worst sort of information. I don't know what you're looking at. I the don't New know. York Post. No, the New York Post didn't say that. Nobody said she was up by 80 points. 
Jimmy JetBlue told me that. Well, he's a moron. It's not close to true. Watch when you're watching you take an ex JetBlue flight okay, where your bags I wind mean, up. You know, Castro didn't win by 80 points. It's ridiculous. No, you cannot do real time. I'm loving you here. But Bill. this is what you are exactly uh, like. I'm going to make a flyer about coming on Club Random and use your picture. Hey, if you're too, if you're, if you're far too dumb about politics to go on real time, have I got a place for you? It's no. Bill's Bargain Basement Filene's Talk Show. <laughs> <laughs> we will I'll take get it up fucking real time. We will take mutants. We will take skeletons. We will take bright animals. Anybody can get on this show. <laughs> <sighs> you know, you said something on on a on a podcast. I'm not sure who what guest it was, but you said something about like, you know, you're like, hey, I'm happy I didn't have kids because kids now in today's world oh. are different than kids back in the day. Oh. And I, I kind of uh appreciated oh. that. I, I don't know. I mean this as sincerely as I can. I don't think it's ever been harder to be a parent. Yep. For the simple reason is the one thing all through history you could do with kids is boss them around, which uh-huh. you totally need to, to keep yes. them under control. Yes. And that is sort of verboten now. That is, uh, right. I, I don't know how parents deal with the just the attitude and the, and talking back. And yeah. questioning everything and thinking they're your peers and inviting themselves into conversations. Sure. For, but there's just like a host of things that didn't happen. And I'm not against them just because they're different than the way I grew up. Some things are better, but not that. Right. Not this fundamental relationship that, oh, a, a 10-year-old is just some smaller version of an adult. no. They're a child. They have a, a quantitative difference in what they're yeah. capable of thinking of. Right. Uh, you cannot treat them the same way, and they do. Yeah. So my my kids, you know, like I, I you know, my me and my girl, we do the best we can with them. But there is times where my kids will talk back to us, and we live in a parenting world where it's like, you know, my mom's mom would have hit. We're not going to hit because, of course. The new research teaches that they'll call social services. That's what social- I mean. <laughs> yes, is that you can't. Not that you should be always hitting your kids, but I got spanked a few times, and it was the right thing to do. Sure. So you know we can't do that. <clears throat> you know when we tell them, well, you know when they talk back, like saying like, "Hey, like you're grounded." You know the research now will say, well, that teaches them that when they make a mistake, that it's these they automatically get these negative consequences, and that and that's not good for adulthood. So you start to say, okay, well, what the hell then am I supposed to do? And I try to conversate with my eight-year-old just as I would conversate with you, but it's very, very, very difficult. And I think what's happening now with parents, is myself included, is sometimes I feel like I'm not doing the best job I can to parent my children because I can't rear them the way my parents reared me. You should never rear a kid. That is just wrong. Yes, you shouldn't do that. I don't even think adults should be rearing. And like I said, Middle Village Queens thinks you're in the 99% (laughs) of people who don't do that. Yeah, well, they're right. That's your that's your town. <laughs> now let me ask you this, Bill. If you if you if you had sex, I'm talking about. Let's Boy. say you had sex with a gorgeous 30, 40, 30 year old Puerto Rican woman tomorrow, okay? And she got pregnant. Would you keep it? Would you Would you be a father at sixty eight years old? No, not. You I'm, don't want no. it anymore. I never wanted it. 
I avoided it, didn't I? But why not? Why not, why not round out the last 20 with a, a fucking little Billy Moore? Oh, my, round out the last 20? Oh, God. You think you're making it to 90? Not with the way you smoke and drink. Uh, this is the first drink I've had, and, <laughs> and the, the smoking no, I, I do is not harmful. I'm Bill. I mean, it's not health food. You look you fucking, you, I'm telling you, you got a healthy BMI. I told you but from anyway, the beginning you're healthy. I you wouldn't have a kid right now today? No. Why would I? <laughs> of, all, of all the times in my life. Why not, Bill? Because I don't like children. Okay. I, I don't take any offense to that. I really you shouldn't. I, I don't. It's I, a, I really it's, don't. It's we a, can have differences of opinion. Yes. This is a dumb conversation. Some people like children. Some people don't. Which is fine. Some people like pudding. Some people don't. Who some doesn't pe- like pudding? Some people. Some people what? don't like sushi. Some people do. It's that's life. So no, that's life. Why would I fucking want a, a mewling, puking, complaining, entitled? All right, Bill. Let, let me ask you little this: little monster. Who? Let, okay, but we're talking about children. Let me ask you this. In your escapades, which we've all had it, what would you do if you found out? At, you're 68 years old. What would you do if you found out right now that back in the day, let's say Jersey, let's say even when you're 39 plus, you got you got one past the goalie with a random woman. We don't even know who she is. And you have a 25-year-old kid that's a good kid. Would you take responsibility for him? Would you say, you know okay. what? I'm happy to be a dad to this person. If there's a little Billy Marr out there. Okay, Dr. Phil. First of all, the, your use of the word escapades, I think, <clears throat> exactly illustrates the difference between you and me. I'm a Janet Jackson fan. I love the word escapades. It's a great word. I didn't even know she was associated with it. She has a song, it. Escapades, I love. Oh. That's how, you want to know <clears throat> how you know I'm gay? I love the song, Escapades, by Janet Jackson. Oh. Well, here's how I'm gay. I probably read it reading Voltaire or something. But, <laughs> but escapades is a great word. He, you know how I know you're gay? Because when you were 10 years old, you read poems. Uh, not poems, but I was a reader. Um, anyway, like escapades, it's such a great word because it connotes that time of life. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was your, that was your meaning when you said we've all had escapades. It was, yeah. it was a very charming way of saying, you know, you sold your wild oats or you, sure. you, know, you know, okay. My philosophy of life was always, wow, um, escapades are fun. Mm-hmm. Why do they have to end? Right, right, and that's where I am. That's where you are. Yeah, and other people are like, no, that's childish or whatever. It's like, well, for you, it would be, Um, but I think there should be no moral dimension to that. It's some. It's just again, people have different tastes, very different tastes. What I can tell you, and different things that make you happy. What I can tell you, and what I know for a fact, is that you're happy. At 68 with your choices, and I'm happy at 39 right, with my choices. Exactly. I'm happy being a father, even though it's at times difficult. I'm like, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love my kids, and you're as happy as me not having kids, and that's okay. But I will say this about happy marriages, and there are some. Uh, a number of times I have experienced a, a married couple who I was friends with, and suddenly they announce they're splitting up. Mm-hmm. And everyone is like, oh, my God, I thought they were the happiest people in the world. What the fuck could have happened? Because married people are kind of geniuses at keeping the lid on it until it absolutely explodes. Now, this explodes. does not sound like your situation. Well, yeah, we're not married. And the thing is, the positive thing about the relationship I'm in 
is we've had public blowouts. We've had family blowouts. And the thing that I know about her now after 10, 11 years of being with her is that no matter how far apart we get, we always come back together and that has staying power. And that's why now, because we had a baby right away. Right. So sometimes people will be like, how could you not marry this woman? You you have children. And it's like, well, we had children so quickly and so kind of out of the blue that now I can tell you after 10, 11 years, this woman is like on my side. And now I can say, now I'm thinking the idea of like, you know what? I'd like to marry you. Yeah, it's, I've I come, mean, because it's come around. We we've kind of uh, had a lot of tests, and I'm perfectly okay with knowing and taking on the risk of saying if we don't work out, that's okay too. I I, I understand that. I uh, there's nothing like trust. Yes, and, and it's I trust only you. it's only earned over a certain amount of time. You can have a good instinct about someone, have a very good instinct about you, right. but we shouldn't trust each other completely. We barely know each other. Right. It's only ha- well, yes, yes, but I also think that there's connections and energy is different. Like I would say, and I'm being honest with you. I'm being genuinely honest with you. I'm, I'm being truly honest. I trust you. I trust you, Bill Maher, even though I've only known you for a couple of hours. In a way that I don't trust some of my friends I've known from childhood. Because it's I true. Can, because there's a genuineness yeah. about you. Where if right. I'm telling you, I'm willing to take on the risk. Where if I went and gave you my trust and you somehow inadvertently fucked me mm-hmm. over. I would say I'm willing to take that risk still. And that, and th- there's realness in energy. Energy is real. Uh, I'm glad you said that. Um, Thank you. Would you like to invest in something called Schmocoin? Yes. It's something I've been developing that I think you are our perfect perfectus. Yes. Listen, to uh, me, no, Schmocoin y- is the coin. Y- you, uh, you're absolutely right, I think. I've often thought the same thing, that you can know somebody in an hour or two better than someone else who you've known for 20 years. Yes. Some people just never give it up. Right. It's just their nature. I knew comedian friends like that. We we had amazing sort of comic relationships. We were always making each other laugh, sitting in the back of the room at Catch a Rising Star or the improv, giggling. And, right. But did we ever really... No, because they just aren't, a certain type of person just doesn't go there. Right. At least not with me. Right. And I don't think with many people. Right. And then there's some people who are like, right away, are like, no, I have no secrets. Yeah, because, because again, it's a genuineness. Because we don't. It's a realness. Right. That's the thing. It's a realness. It's like immediately, even though you've only knew two hours, if you call bullshit, you'll call bullshit on me right. to and my I, face, which I respect. Yes, I know. You can take a punch. It's fantastic. Why not? I, that's the only exactly. way I can come. Yeah. <laughs> and so can I. I mean, I, mean, I love to uh, be forced to say the words, I don't know. Because sure. every time I say those words, I learn something. Yes. Timothy Leary told me that. Timothy Leary, good Irishman. You know who that is? No, you're, Tim, Tim he Leary, was, he was the guy who introduced acid to the 60s. He was the guy with the acid. Oh, I, I watched a documentary uh, uh, where he was in. There yes. you go. Tim, yeah, uh, I watched a documentary about um, oh. psychedelics. Well, yes. see, you're slowly working your way toward real time. Yes, <laughs> little but, bit. Well, if we're psychedelics, but, I've taken a, see, a quick fair share. That's what I love about a podcast like this. If you listen to the whole thing, sometimes it's almost a thread that's like it was written into a script. The whole thing about you with I can't get on real time and then me feeling bad and me feeling bad and me feeling bad. And then we find out you don't even know about Trump and Biden. It was like the perfect ending yes. to that bit. To that The bit. way that came back around. And then follow. And then I couldn't. I could have scripted it. And better. then in two weeks, I'm on real time. And, <laughs> no. 
Let me ask you this, Bill. And then, and, 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 no, no. And, and then I, I, I know you. I know when I propose this question, you're going to say I'm crazy. But I, I want you to just don't propose. I'm never getting married, Bill. I just want you to take me up on this. And again, this is something Tucker Carlson said. I'm just putting it out there. This is something that I read on multiple Reddit forums and from trusted sources. And again, I know this is absurd, Bill. Just listen to me. This is absurd what I'm about <laughs> to say. Your sources have proved themselves to be not trusted. Is there a possibility that this, our existence as human beings, is possibly aliens? Just listen to me. Aliens are not up there or out there. They're right here in another dimension. They're fourth dimension, fifth dimension, sixth dimension. We are two-dimensional, three-dimensional beings that we can't see this dimension where aliens can be right there. Is it possible that we are, in fact, engaged in some type of prison planet where a fourth-dimensional, fifth-dimensional, sixth-dimensional reptilian being who really rules the world is feeding off our guilt, anxiety, depression, negative emotions to... Uh, uh, fuel themselves off our stuff and we are actually in this prison planet and p- famous celebrities like Obama and Justin Bieber and people of that ilk have made a deal with these reptilian people to say, I will give you my soul to feed off my negative emotions for perpetuity, but in return, you give me every time I die, I come back to a different part of history, which is happening all at the same time, I come back and I am as famous and successful as I was in okay. every generation. No, I know okay. it's absurd, but I'm uh, asking you, is there uh, any truth to that? Are you talking about the ballet parking guy? Um, yes, I am. I'm talking about uh, Chuck he, LaBella. He's, he's, he's not reptilian. Um, is there any truth to that, Bill, without I, it's, making it's, fun of me? Chris, I'm, I would love it. You, we Just a minute ago, we are talking about trust. So I feel Which like I I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm going to take do. advantage of what you said about trusting me, because you should trust me. I do. I, I have all these years on you, and uh, this is more my area, you know, knowing things. Um, it's the kind of stupid conspiracy <laughs> theory nonsense that goes around on Reddit and right-wing websites and who knows God where else, and you just don't want to be the guy. Mm-hmm. You're too good. You're too smart. You're too successful. You're, you don't want to be the guy who thinks this. Okay. Anything is possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, Richard Dawson is the greatest atheist writing. Sure. Uh, Richard Dawson. No. What? Richard, Richard, <laughs> Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawson. Dawkins. Dawson was the host of Family Feud <laughs> yeah. who used to try to kiss all the <laughs> chicks on the lips. <laughs> He's not the greatest atheist. <laughs> Steve Harvey's the no. best Family Feud host of all time. Uh, that's probably true. Steve Harvey's the funniest Richard, guy of all time. But Richard Dawkins, an atheist, and he says, you know, on a scale of one to seven, seven being absolute certainty, there's no God. I'm only a 6.9. We don't know anything. Could it Fair. be lizard people? It could. Okay. It's fucking not. It's like, could you win the lottery? Yes, but you won't. It's right. not that. Okay. It's something we don't know. But just because you don't know the answer to something, you shouldn't make up a story so you have an answer. No answer is a much more respectable intellectual position than making up a story. Okay. So, Jesus, you can have that one. Sure. But not the lizard, Chris. Right. <laughs> not the lizard. So you don't think I'm, that where this I'm is I'm doing a re- this as your friend. This is not a rep. As your mentor. Planet. They're not... They're, no, honestly, Bill... I'm you ready for this. I'm telling you. I have told the public. 
And I've told people, my mentor has been Colin Quinn. You know Colin Quinn. Of course. Colin is a guy who's took me under his wing. A, 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 you know, New Yorker. New York City guy. A, an original 13-year-old like yourself. Funny guy. I love Colin Quinn. But I would say Colin Quinn, even though you know we have a, a long-standing relationship, but I would, you are as much of a mentor in these past three hours. <laughs> Has as, it been three hours? It's been two, three hours. Uh, wow. We if, should, if it's we too should long, rest. it's too long. No, Bill, listen, it's up. To, obviously, it's your show. It is, it is amazing. But I, I enjoy I talking to you, my I, friend. I am enjoying it, too. That's why I thought, well, let's just keep going. But it is amazing how the podcast audience likes long. They like it's long. funny. When I started it, all of them were one hour. We used to do two in a day. It was too rushed. And um, I was thinking old thinking. I was thinking TV thinking. I'm a creature of TV. Do an hour show. Leave them wanting more. No. no. Podcast audiences are like, we're cheated after it. Really cheated? Yeah. It's so funny. The, the American attention span is either like three hours or six seconds. That's it. They, 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 because I feel like your fans, right, who have followed you from politically incorrect to real time or whatever. Right. The podcast, though, your podcast fans who are, you know, of course, following you from the TV sector, this format, they're so ingratiated to you because they're like, oh, I it's feel so like, different. I feel like Bill's my, you know, exactly. family member. And that's how it should be. And that's how it should be. And that's why I wanted to build this the way it is, where you yeah. never see, you never see cameras. You don't. There, you're not. There's no other person in the room. It's just us because this is like as close as we could really be sure. to doing it if we were doing it without cameras. I don't think I would have said one thing different. Oh, Bill. I don't think I edited one thing. I don't think I changed one thing. Yeah. My brain shut off about an hour and a half ago, but we're still doing the pod. Well, well, you were, you, you've been great. So well, I, you, I'm you, unconscious. If, I, if, I, if your brain shuts off and you're still this funny and uh, and also you like to talk to people who like, you know, you could tell they're tracking what you're saying. Like they I'm look in the eye, and and you are, and I do it too. Yes, you know. I mean, no, no, Bill. There are some but, people who you just talk to, and it's like, yeah, we're kind of having two different conversations. The, 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 just, the thing, the thing about you so, uh, it, that I respect is, you know, and I'm sure you've heard this. I'm not saying anything abnormal, but I think there's some things that some that a, a less kind of a you know, plugged in person would look at you and watch Bill Maher, uh, you know, watch real time or watch the show and be like, oh, Bill Maher's so smug, right? You, I'm sure you've heard that word smug. And, yes. and, and I would say, when I watch you as a comic and someone who I look up to, I say, you know what, your smugness, that part of you, there's a likability that comes out that's, you remind me, exactly. you and Anthony Jeselnik, <laughs> you know Anthony Jeselnik. Love him. Anthony Jeselnik to me is Funny. someone who I had one opportunity 10 years ago to, I'm sure he doesn't even remember, where I got to open up for him at Governor's Comedy Club out in Long Island. And his smugness came across so much that it was likable. And it's a talent that is so beyond rare to the point that I've only ever seen you and Jeselnik be able to pull it off at well, that level. And, and, and be, but, but again, the commonality between you two is the realness. That's why I think the, the show Real Time, but it, no, 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 it, I, it's, 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 <coughs> it's spot on because I'm like, you know what, man, but I'm not I'd really... rather you tell me, I'd rather you tell me you're too stupid to get on Real Time <laughs> than you say, you know what? Yeah, sure. You'd be great someday. Well, and then I have stupid Chuck about, stupid about politics. 
Sure. And it's a show about politics. Right. That's kind of the key crux, Chris. Right. No, no, no. Okay. I get it. And yeah, no, dude, let me tell you, you want to talk about state capitals or, no, you know, the, the, the kinesiology of a human body? I'm your guy. No, that's a different show. You know, that's the one that comes on like 1230 in the afternoon. You're hosted by a woman. Yeah. There's a cooking segment. Yes. And, you know, people live. I'm on the view. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not the view, but, you know, those daytime shows have people like, you know, uh, right. today we have a doctor who's going to show you how to, like, you know, flimber up. And anyway. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's fine. Bill, I'd like to, I'd like to, if I won't get on the guests real time, I'd like to come on and just be, be a part of it in the background. As I'd I like to hang out. I don't want to sleep over. As I mentioned, you're not allowed in the building. I want to sleep over. You're right. Here's, here's I want to go into your house and find <laughs> Richard Drivers with no pants. Here's what you were right about. We are going to be friends. I, I, I believe we are. And we made a hell of a start. We uh, couldn't do this on television. No, and we wouldn't do it for any other reason. No. I know. feel like I've known you for years. Right. And I've known you for three hours. That's my superpower. What did you have for? What, oh, okay. uh, yeah, we're, I, we're, I, we're I, done. <laughs>